Thank you for tuning into White Centipede Noise Podcast. Please hit the like button and subscribe to this channel. This podcast is made possible by viewer and listener support. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash white centipede noise. White Centipede Noise is a label and mail order based in Germany, releasing top quality noise on tape, CD, and vinyl. White Centipede Noise is also the premier EU-based distributor of international noise. Visit whitecentipedenoise.com to see available label releases and weekly distro updates. Hello and welcome to White Centipede Noise Podcast. My guest today is the most important harsh noise artist of the last 20 years. Please welcome Sam McKinley of The Rita. Hey guys. Hi, Sam. Hi. Thanks for the insane words. <laughs> A strong memory of mine when I was first exploring harsh noise and, and learning about it and... <clears throat> You know, some of the the primary artists active at the time was I, I I read an interview by you where you described um your path and your you know journey towards harsh noise and you described at some point you made a decision to make harsh noise the most imp- the most the, the primary focus of your life. And that made a huge impact on me, just that statement. So I'm, I would like to know, first of all, kind of what are the steps that brought you to that point, but also um, what did that decision mean for you in, in your life? Well, what does that mean exactly? Or what did that mean to make harsh noise the primary focus of your life? Um, well, basically, like I was always uh, like a fine arts student, and I was like in uh, university and all that. So uh, I was kind of, but before I did my my BFA, like I went back and did my my BFA. Um, my 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 circle of friends was all the guys from like uh, was the guys from like Vote Robot. And uh, basically, like the world, just to kind of sum it up, it's kind of the world of Vancouver's Scratch Records and Zev Asher and Poor Queen, and uh, and a lot of those guys were, you know, friends with the guys with um, the whole banana fish culture mm-hmm. and everything. So, uh, so I was lucky enough to be readily exposed to a lot of the really important kind of uh, Western Canadian acts that were like involved in, in noise and uh and as i've spoken about before in like interviews and stuff i was like a punk rock skateboarder kid and i remember uh the actually the 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 the, the mike nearish issue of thrasher had like a art article in there about like big black and that was kind of like my first step as a kid as a teenager into getting into music that's like way more rough and just kind of like driven by uh, by like the harsh sound or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, 
so after that, so as my friends were like doing their own distros and Vote Robot was was happening and everything, we were they were giving me lots of uh, Kevin Rivard of Vote Robot was giving me lots of like constant like inspiration and t tips with like you know like oh here's Poor Queen's new seven inch and I'm like oh my god this is awesome you know yeah. and then like oh here's a here's a bunch of like like uh, Zeb Asher's work like Nimrod and even Costes was part of like Scratch sure. Records back back then and everything I'm listening to all this and then so things are just taking steps right yeah. so this is the the early 90s yeah and uh and I'm loving it all and at the same time you know I'm doing my BFA and everything as well and uh, or no I did my I did my first 2 years of university and then I, I was going to do my BFA right after this basically mm -hmm. so then so yeah so anyway so then and then one day Kevin hand because by then we're you know we're bros he's whatever and he's just like oh dude you should hear this so he hands me I we always knew that um uh, that Steve Albini worked with KAK Null a right. lot. So then finally, Kevin gave me a Null 7-inch, mm -hmm. which was the first time I heard straight pummeling harsh notes, like walls of harsh notes. Yeah. And then almost immediately right after that, he gave, uh, we got in Murderer's Bell's Noise and Membryo yep. on, on disc, on, you know, the original old one. Okay. And uh, then that was it. I mean, for tons of us, that was it. I was just like, okay, this is fucking perfect. Yeah. You know, like all I want to hear now. Yeah. So then, so then after that, and then, yeah, I just went nuts, you know, then uh, another friend of mine and I, the, a girlfriend at the time and I started to order off self-abuse. Mm -hmm. Like we got into it deep, like instantly. Yeah. So went off self-abuse, ordered tons of shit from like relapse and I was ordering shit from the... Which I like to, to say is that you know the golden time of yeah. harsh noise. So I luckily got like releases that are all just like yeah, you know I'm a total like just getting into it and I'm buying like the most now thinking about it, the most crucial harsh noise releases of all time. Right. Like no problem, just yeah. You know what I mean, just send the money so and then, then yeah, and then and then that's when like really early on like my you know your tastes start to develop. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like, so you're hearing lots of Japanese noise first and really rapidly you're just like, Oh, like I like Macronympha. Right. Like, you know, the, the Japanese noise artists are obviously masters, but I, I like Macronympha way fucking more. Right. And it's like, Oh fuck. That's skin crime. Yeah. A lot. I like American noise. Yeah. Way more. You right. know, like it's dirtier, it's crustier. It's like, and then, yeah. And then, uh, the point, in time that you're speaking about is when I finally got my hands on a dead bod Audi love tape low five power carnage. And yeah. that was when I was just like, 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 okay, that's perfect. Like that's exactly what I want to hear. And it was just kind of like a completely overwhelming sense of just like, that's all I want to hear from now on yeah. is that sound. And, and, and now I want to like do it, you know, cause you know, I was, I was in the arts or whatever. So, you know, I had a mind for like doing, doing, you know, yeah. doing stuff like whatever. So then, so yeah. And then of course I was lucky enough to have Kevin just be right there. And they had like a studio, a studio up in the, the upper floor of his house with like synthesizers and like, and like old, like, piles of broken microphones and mm -hmm. distortions and delays and everything. And he would show me how to make it work. 
and uh, and just lock me in that room for hours at a time. And I just like recording tapes and then started doing trades with self abuse so I could get, you know, and then, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it went from there. And then that's when I was like, then that's when I was like, yeah, I, this is what I want to fucking do. And then, so I put out, you know, some, some of my, a lot of my older tapes and albums and everything. And then, uh, and then went back to university to do my final two years and get my BFA. Mm-hmm. And that I really, really made moves to just kind of go back to like to uh, like landscape art and painting and uh, installation, which I thought was for me was good because it like because I always like to approach any of my harsh sound or harsh noise uh, via the arts, yeah. like via the, the visual arts. So then it totally just keeps me like in, 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 in proper step. So whenever I reference anything I'm doing, it's gotta be like the, the visual arts for me. Sure. And that's what just kind of keeps, and I use all the, the same kind of techniques of deconstruction and building and, and rebuilding and everything. But it's kind of, you know, it's a, I'm kind of having an epiphany now after you ask the question of just like how early on, you know, when you're getting, barraged by all these releases that were around at the time how your tastes can if you're listening close enough your tastes can really like tear down the exact sounds that you want to hear yeah and then then you go from there yeah so this episode of white centipede noise podcast is brought to you by scream and ride distro and absurd exposition label montreal-based source for experimental electronics harsh noise etc over 1,600 items in stock on all formats. Media mail shipping to the USA and affordable international shipping. Forthcoming tapes from the Rita, Mott and Violent Shogun, Andrew Nolan Misery Engine Split, Neural, Hermit Chick White Split, and Alex York. Plus an expanded double LP reissue of Merzbau's 1998 Psych Noise Mantra Aqua Necromancer. Visit ScreamingRide.com and or AbsurdExposition.BandCamp.com. Did you ever incorporate any of your sound? Because you started doing your sound noise work at that time did you ever incorporate any of that in your bfa or in your your studies at university amazingly not at all it's almost i don't know it was like and i wasn't even really on purpose but i was like uh i was really really fucking obsessed with art art history mm-hmm. I, I i really i mean because there, there's a if you, if you look at my discography there's that weird like there's like a break in there mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what i was doing my bfa sure and I don't know if it was subconscious, but I was just like, nope, I'm back at it. I got to get heavy into the arts, you know, like, yeah. and then, but it was good. But again, it's, it's amazing because it's all like the ideas and the, and the, the concepts and the, and the manifestos and, yes. and everything is what kind of drove it. And it's all things I can translate into like my, my version or my harsh sound or harsh noise. Did you ever feel like that decision to really focus on that was like um, a decision where you have to make certain sacrifices or, or in some way lonely that you're somehow deviating from a path, like choosing a path that is going to be somehow difficult or or isolate you in life? Uh, no, I mean, I've always kind of had one foot in the in the fine arts world, so I knew how to... I knew how to maneuver around so that I can, I can integrate all the, the same ideas and everything in 
like applying for grants sure. and everything. So, so I always, I always think of it as, uh, I always think of it as, uh, as just the same thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when I, whenever I like apply for a grant or whatever, it's like a media arts grant. Yeah. So it's like, it's very much not, there's nothing to do with music right. at all. And what I really appreciated about it, you know, I've given, you know, I've obviously got my more like, uh, I've, you know, I've got my releases that, you know, like delve into like, into like, you know, like this, like the, the, the heavy sexual with like splits with like main, main, and all that. Right. But it's just like, um, uh, but what I always really, really loved about it as well was that it was when you're putting out or, but by, I'll just like start when I, by the time I was at the end of my BFA, I was basically turning in works that were all notes. Okay. No real with just diagram results. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like, remember my, my final work I did for my BFA was I parked my, myself at, at a, a local skate park and I made a, I did a count and I did some, some crazy old DOS diagrams, like printed out diagrams of, of how many kids hang out at the skate park and where, and in the parking lot and where, and then I put it through like this, this program I had at work. I worked at a video store at the time and mm -hmm. it, and I kind of bent it, I kind of based it on like how many people like rent films and stuff. And then it spit out all of these crazy reports that are just like where kids hang out at a skate park yeah. when, when they're at the park during the day and everything. And then I took a bunch of photographs of the park and then I did like these transparent layovers that kind of showed the, the data of where the kids are hanging out related to like the actual maps of the park, like of the mm -hmm. skate park. Mm -hmm. And then that's, that's what I, you know, and everyone else is doing at the end of the year, like these grandiose, like installations and like, you know, what yeah. art, you know, and then I handed in a folder, like, a yeah. binder, like, here you go, <laughs> you know, and then, and then by that time, my instructors were like, yeah, this is the path Sam's on. Yeah. Like he worked for two years, like on these massive 30 foot, like landscape work, you know, like, like installations and everything. And this is how he's kind of grounded down. So, yeah. So what I really about harsh noise or and sound and harsh sound is that whenever you do like a work like that you're framing it kind of the same so it's just like all the ideas and the notes and the and the construction and everything is being turned in with the sound as well yeah which, which i really like i mean there's a lot of people that are which is is completely understandable there's a lot of people that are just like no it's just the the sound it's the harsh noise. You listen to it. This is the blank cover. Awesome. You know, right. I'm like, yeah, it's good. But for me, I'm super into fucking portraying all the ideas, portraying the processes, like everything. I remember there was a woman that I was doing my, my BFA with that, uh, she had this insane idea where she was going to take like thousands of eggshells and she was, she was peeling the, uh, like the, the embryonic like skin yeah. out of all the cells and then putting them in this crazy pile. And she did it for like literally a month wow. and it was just like fucking gross. And yeah. like, but she had it really well. It wasn't all dirty. It was all well organized yes. and all this kind of shit. And she did it for a month 
And then she had like, she didn't have a breakdown, but she was just like, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. Like, you know, and then, and yeah, and then we had, you know, we had our critiques and everything. And a lot of us in the class and the instructor were like, you're, you did it. Yeah. You peace. Like now you have this giant, massive mound of eggshells and you have this giant, massive mound of the, of the, of the, I can't remember what it was, like the, the lining yeah, of the egg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I was, and it hit me where it's just like, you know, during those cr- critiques or whatever, it was all up for her. It was all about the... The process. The, the process and the result is that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Do you work that way still so, with harsh noise? I mean, I know, of course, you do to a degree, but I mean, have you worked in that same sort of scope with with as many diagrams and plans and notes as you did at that time? Do you still work that way? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, um, it's yeah. Because I mean, for me, that's where all the work is. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of, the time, you know, you know, you go for through years and years and years of trying to figure out gear and like the bias on fuzz effects and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, getting things custom made for you and everything to, to, to such a point that you can, for like, if I'm working on a release, it's like, especially like, yeah, no, I mean, for, especially if it's like, like, you know, like one example recently is like all of those wisp, uh, yes. recordings I've been, been doing yeah. that are like in Shakespeare's plays. So like if I'm doing a, a, a piece on all of the Catherine characters yeah. from history and then from the, from the, it's, it's, uh, that's like tons of reading, tons of, of finding images, tons of like thematic inspiration and then like writing and everything. Right. Or, you know, or, and especially like the, 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 the classical ballet as well. It's just like, and then, and then you work out exactly what you want to what, what audio samples that I want to like work with and kind of grind down into like the eventual sound. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that, that takes a long time as well. It's like, I'm okay. I'm going to watch all of five hours of like Henry, the, of the, you know, the, uh, the Shakespeare, his histories, like all the, the way up to, to, to radiator, the, the third. And then I'm going to sample every woman's dialogue from like one part of that or whatever. Right. And then, and then, yeah, and then write about it. And then, and then, um, and then event, but it's, it's neat because I, I know, exactly what is going to happen with it you know yeah so so a lot of the times the 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 execution just takes maybe a day or two sure whereas all of the notes and all the other work was like weeks right and you probably which, have which your... happened, when it happened when i did my my bfa a lot too it was like it was like i knew exactly what i was i was going to do i knew exactly all the wood i was going to get at the, the, the store yeah. you know and but just like here's all the you know, but doing all the diagrams and like the thematics and yeah. like and everything. It's like when I went to the hardware store and brought it all back, it only took a day to build it. Yeah, they knew exactly what I was wanted. So then you probably have your kind of ecstatic moments in the preparation process when you you know what the result will be. You know you're you're processing, but when you find these sources, or you find these moments or or whatever it is that that that's you know that's pro- that must be very simply exciting experience. there's things that like that, 
Oh yeah, no, it's amazing. Especially when it's working, you're just like, oh fuck yes! Like I knew, I knew that would happen. Or you know, things will pop up where like I had no idea yeah. that when this dancer walks across the stage at that one point, it was going to create the biggest part of the sound. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, those are the the fun things where you're just like, oh yes! Yeah. I mean, I remember years ago I did that. Uh, I did that uh, a release. I think it came out on seven inch. That was all. Hours and <laughs> hours and hours of spaghetti western gunfights yeah. that I sample like pre-recorded sample you know sampled into this one you know perfect like five minute mound yeah. of like gunfight yeah. without any music. I mean that was a hard Italian western like yeah. spaghetti western, no music, no dialogue, just the gunfights, right? And I was like, this is gonna be fucking perfect, like. There's no, this might be the greatest sound source ever. Like, and then I was like so excited about it. And then I'm like, here we go. And I'm running it through. And then I'm just like, the ricochets. I didn't fucking think about the ricochets. And to me, that just sounded like shit. You know, so it's just like, like these perfect cracks, like crack. And I'm like, yes. And then I'm like, what the fuck? So it sounded like lasers. You couldn't get that out. So then I had to like go through and edit out. Yeah, like edited out every ricochet laser. Oh, you did it! Wow. And then I think, I think, yeah. yeah, I remember. I remember also like buying. A, I remember Dan Electro at that time had that crazy fucking octave. What was it called again? The the Chili Dog. Mm, yeah. And then and like you could actually get rid of a lot of the, the high end that way as well. But I remember that was just like the funniest thing because it was like the most like oh yes, the ricochet. Yeah. <laughs> think of it right but so anyways yeah so. so so like do you have then you don't have then like a rule because for me that in my mind like conceptually that would bother me if i had planned this source and i was following some sort of rule like i wouldn't allow myself to to cut out the the ricochets i would f- like like well, did, you, did you did you did you find a way to process it or did did that cause a conflict in your, in your, in your concept at all? Not at all, because I knew, I knew that the sound, like, again, this is just an example. So it kind of applied to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. This was just the most extreme example, but I knew that the, I knew that the theme and the sound and everything was that initial gun strike. Mm -hmm. So if it was just going to be a bunch of extra dumb work to get rid of the ricochet, (laughs) to get rid of the, you know, like most of them or process them you know then then everything was is the idea is completely still there. okay cool you know yeah so so it yeah it didn't matter at all you know but that again that's just like one example yeah it was you know really black and white have you ever considered presenting your like final releases with all of the the notes and diagrams like you did for your BFA? Have you ever considered doing a release that really fully shows that um, whole process? There's, there's a, I, I mean, I'm, like, I mean, a lot of my releases w- do include as much sure. of the imagery as possible and everything. When I write the notes, especially these days, what I'll do is I'll kind of like take a, my favorite passages that I read during all of those, right. during the studies. Or mm-hmm. I'm really, really, I love putting exactly what the source is as well yeah. because that's like one of my like things that I'm just like, no, I like, I want 
I want people to know. I mean, part of this piece is that this is completely taken from this. Yeah. So that's it. That, 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 so that's part of the, the, the notes as well. But, um, but I mean, most of the, the notes I have are like, sh- sh- crap, people don't mean, mean harsh noise. Nerds might want to know it, but like, crap, like make sure you grab that one cable when you, okay. <laughs> when you lay out this chain, Okay. it's not going to work. Like, with asterisks and shit like remember that yeah that the, the the bias on this pedal you had made for you isn't as good as this one so don't waste two fucking hours trying to like get it to whatever yeah, i think that'd so. be totally fast i mean i don't know there's, there's, i don't know if you want to give that up but i think that'd be totally fascinating uh to have those notes with with a release i think that'd be simply I mean, I mean another really important one, but I think that'd be really, really interesting for a lot of people. Yeah, and then I mean, it was a it was an incredible opportunity as well to be able to do that book for amphetamine sulfate right. as well, where it was basically just like where I was starting to just be like the Rita for me, like all the ideas and all that kind of and 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 everything and the and the themes and the and, and the inspiration. And the samples them, themselves are just as important as the end result. Yeah. One example would be that book, you know? So it's kind of like, so I'm like, in early discussions, I was like, no, I'd really like to title the book, The Rita. Like, this is a The Rita release. Right. So, and then like, and then like Scott Kineberg and those, you know, and those guys that took like a really big risk of putting out that sample only release years ago. Right. Which just got as well and i was just kind of like okay well like and for a lot of people that know me they were like yeah this this fucking tape is more the rita than the rita right you know it's just pure idea yeah right which i loved i was just like yeah this is it's like the package like the you know sure um when you do analyze sound either your own work or when you're listening to it um you know, you've used often language like lines, talking about harsh noise, t- specific lines. And I'd, I'd like to kind of know your definition of that, but also kind of know, do you have other sort of language or de- definitions for different sonic uh, characteristics or some sort of language that you've developed? I mean, I mean, lines come again directly from just like when you know, like from from art history for me. Like when you think of our artists, like uh, George uh, George Trakas or or you know, I, or, uh, or or Richard Serra, or like you know, a lot of the guys and like a lot of their early notes and all that kind of stuff. It's so so whenever I think of like a. I don't. It's weird. I don't even really think of it in like waveforms either. Mm-hmm. I think of it as like a drawn that has parts that are like uh like that uh, crack out or whatever but it's um i did a uh, i was asked to do a uh like an artist talk a while ago like a uh like a like a workshop where we where um i think it was for i can't remember if it was for i can't remember if it was it was for a university like sfe i can't remember but anyways uh, uh, Vancouver's on you sing uh, from the nausea or whatever mm-hmm. like worked it out for me mm-hmm. but yeah so anyways, I did this uh, I did this this workshop where everybody brings in a sound 
like a like a piece of sound that they do and then the whole thing was about yeah just kind of like interpreting all of it in the, the visual like in lines mm-hmm. or whatever so we had like these giant pieces of like uh of uh paper out where it's like as we're listening to like somebody's piece i'll be drawing a line mm-hmm. or a piece i brought in or drawing a line or whatever and then but we were talking a lot about um being completely immersed in in sound and being obsessed with sound as like potential entertainment or why you're you enjoy it yeah so when a lot of the parts on the line i'd be like okay well let's circle this part here and then we'll put that part under a microscope and see if that part of the sound is just as entertaining as the part of the as as a whole yeah you know so it was so it was a lot of thinking about it's and so you know when you listen to a, one of my favorite Mersba albums is a uh, Pink Cream, mm-hmm. and it's one of the ones I got like you know like when it came out. Yeah, and Pink Cream was really really ex- and I've already listened to all the like a bunch of the Italians. I already had all my my new favorites or whatever. So anyway, so I'm listening to to Pink Cream and there's it was it was it's a really chaptered Mersba recording mm-hmm. where you can actually kind of like put parts under a microscope and be like, this part's fucking incredible. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, and so that's, you know, like when you're thinking of it is kind of like looking at it, like a, like a, like a line piece and you're picking that part. And that's when you start thinking more about like dead body, love and Montauk's and orchestra and everything. And you're just kind of thinking like of the artists that really have their heads wrapped around the fact that, that, if there's one part of these of these really 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 busy harsh noise records that you fucking love yeah. can you love that piece of it for an hour straight right you know so it's kind of like so when you so talk about parts are you talking about like 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 five seconds or ten seconds are you talking about microseconds are you talking about like yeah no it's it'd be like a block you know when you're listening to like a macro record yeah like you're listening to like by humans and you know yeah. like for how dirty and fucking and 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 like crunchy macro is it's an incredibly dynamic project yes. right yeah. so you can do the same thing and parts especially you know when when you're like listening to a bunch of harsh noise in like a live environment yeah and there's like you know just like all the different sounds are yeah. like jumping around yeah. and then suddenly the artist will just and you see like yeah people react to all the different parts like being like yeah you know and then yeah, like yeah 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 and then you know what i mean and then that's when you really start thinking like well what if you just did that part that you're losing your mind over but for like an hour yeah will you yeah. lose your mind for a fucking hour you need the surrounding lasers and hits and dynamics to amplify the difference of that part sure you know? yeah there was a lot of that you know and then and then that's when you start thinking about, you know, like the the term that's now turned into Frankenstein. It's like walls of harsh noise, right? Right. So it's like, like oh no, I'll listen to a fucking incapacitance record because that perfect sound for a half an yeah. hour. Yeah. And that's 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 what you called the the minimalist, the powerful minimalist deconstruction of the harsh harsh noise object. Is that accurate? That you took this. Exactly. Yeah. And again, this is all coming from visual arts, right? So it's like, so it's like, 
really, really trying. And luckily I had colleagues and peers at the time that were really down with, with the idea as well, mm-hmm. with the idea of, of kind of like, like a manifesto. Yeah. You know? So like, you know, all the way Bill Blankenship putting out that militant walls book. Yeah. You know, which I don't know all the people listening have looked at that book, but <laughs> that thing is like a must have. Yeah. Cool. It's uh I, I was lucky enough to see it at Tommy's house. Um, and it's just a book oh. like of 200 pages or whatever, just says Milton walls in every page. And then yeah, over also, over. <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if this was you or, or, or Phil's other one is violently pure. Right. Was yeah. that, was that, was that his book? That it's, it, it's all him. Uh, the, okay. the, 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 the Milton walls. Yeah, it's a. It was all Phil. So like at so at at that time, it was incredible to have like, again, peers and colleagues that are down with the, quote unquote, the cause, and yeah. just being like, because all all again, all it was back then was, was like you have all these incredible acts like sickness and like and like and like and like cracked steel and mm-hmm. and uh, you know that are that are just and. Painter that are incredible at doing like rapid fire changes that I yeah. always think of like cracks, you know, it's like yeah. these incredible cracks of sound, you know what I mean? Right. And then, um, and then, but the more you listen to harsh noise, you obviously, you obviously, your, 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 your tastes get really, really, really streamlined, which I think yeah. is one of the most incredible. So there's a lot of people that hate it. They're just like, eh, eh. I don't, all these fuck subgenres they drive me fucking crazy you should be able to do what you want and all this yeah. shit and i'm always just like it's fucking the most exciting time in harsh noise right now because because everyone's listening so carefully right and hard you know yeah. appreciating it to extremes that no one ever imagined yeah you know so like because back in the day it was like Oh yeah, I'm super into harsh noise i'm super into mersbau i'm super into macro i'm super into like pain jerk i'm super into k2 i'm super into new blockaders and i'm like those are all completely different groups yeah now and that's because all of us have been listening so closely you know? right yeah um and i guess i'm i'm curious to hear your thoughts about the the phenomenon of like noise as a as a spectral phenomenon, you know, like really just like what we call noise in like a scientific sense, like randomly generated, like white noise or, or filtered white noise or processed white noise um, versus like the introduction of musical elements or, or dramatic elements like cuts, like, you know, um, I guess tones. I mean, a, a lot of times noise gets certain artists get, get um, credited as being uh, emotional or bringing emotional or narrative to, to their work and their harsh noise ar- artists. But I feel like a lot of, a lot of times what is actually bringing that perceived emotionality is introduction of some sort of traditional musical element, even if it's really still abstracted, but like some, which, sort of, which... some sort of drone underneath some sort of, you know, kind of thing that, gives a sense of rhythm yeah that, i mean and how that yeah, varies I mean, from, from pure harsh like pure harsh noise and sense of like sound that is really just generated from like spectral crunching noise being processed and if that 
pure harsh noise, how that can be used to have some sort of emotional or like narrative impact. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's, uh, I, I talk about that a lot with my, with my, with friends of mine and like, you know, and colleagues as well, where it's kind of like, again, it's like, what, what entertains you? Like, should it entertain you? Or is it all about the idea or whatever? But all the way down to like, um, it's kind of like, I mean, we always joke about like the, uh, kind of like the, like a hierarchy, like a pyramid mm -hmm. that's, that's, uh, like the, uh, the entertainment pyramid. <laughs> kind of. So it's like the entertainment pyramid and like, um, uh, so, it, you know, it's the, the top of the pyramid are people that maybe just appreciate silence. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> one down is like people that are completely entertained by to like a tone, like an unbroken tone. Yeah. And then you go one down is like that tone warbles or cracks or turns into like a line of like cracking noise. Because mm -hmm. that cracking noise is adding drama. It's adding right. movement, you know? So it's yeah. kind of like and I'm still thinking of it as sound, you know? So right. it's like, and then the more you add, right. The more you're like, you know, and these are all, these are all things that people appreciate on different levels. It'd be like, I'm not a huge fan of feedback. Sure. You know, I've used it in like live performance. You know, if you're going through like a PA and you're rocking out and you, you know, the, the feedback can be enjoyable and fun right. or whatever, yeah. but it's, I've never been a huge fan, but then you talk to guys like, like uh keith from taint yeah and he's like i fucking love feedback yeah. i love hearing it for course you know and yeah. you're like and you're like awesome you know like you know that's well that you know and then it's it's awesome to know that people have a head wrapped around singular sounds like that you know so it's all different like tastes it's all sub subjective or whatever right but that's even but, like, yeah. that's even like a more reduced tonal experience because with with yeah. white noise with 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 crunching harsh noise for example you still have a a quite broad spectrum of, of sounds you're you're intaking but then feedback um is like one saying, I mean it's, and it, and, I, and and for me when I like kind of uh, inject like samples or like you know or music from right. from from like a classical ballet or whatever. It's always for me. It's always like it's just the idea. I'm just like kind of injecting it with of the course. idea. It's like a note, you know, yeah. like a like an ass. Definitely. So uh, I definitely see it that way. So and, and I think of all the terms as like because we all. I mean, we're harsh noise artists. We fucking. I don't know why people get so worked up over super intense rules because we're all fucking obsessed with extreme manifestos and shit you yeah. know like i really i always love the idea of just like i'm gonna fucking follow this manifesto even if people think even if like i'm glaringly breaking rules and shit i'm a weirdo that's still following this manifest you know what i mean yeah. like so you know like everyone's completely obsessed with all the manifestos that the futurist wrote you know and then right and you know and so it's like so i love that but it, you know it keeps you it kind of keeps you in in tune with with what you want to do you know yeah 
I mean, like I, I, I feel like your your newest, your most most recent work is really fascinating because it almost goes in that direction of pure tones. And I mean, I was listening to the the Unitard um, Apex release on on No Rent, and and it's almost as if you know that's that the harsh sound in that is almost broken down into like five or a handful of of specific points like frequency points where yeah, it's almost like percussion with, it's, with, it's like it's like you know you hear different points on different levels of of the of the spectrum kind of uh percussing against each other but it's really really limited it's like such an extreme extreme approach to like this white noise or, you know, pink noise, it's like really reduced to almost percussion. Yeah. It's uh it's been the, the last like two years or whatever to, or where, where I've just been doing the, the women of Shakespeare's plays, the wisp works and the Richard, the, the third works and that, that one. It, and, and yeah, the, the unitard apex it's uh yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, it, it's it's been like really really exhilarating to be able to finally kind of like piece down exactly what I want out of a out of like a like a harsh sound release and it's just like yeah those like singular like snaps and cracks mm -hmm. especially in like a I have yet to do that live so I can't wait to I mean I've done things like that live but nothing so right. kind of like constructed down but i can't I, you know I'm, I'm pretty excited about being able to hopefully play through like a massive pa where you can hear those yeah snaps like trans like these giant cracks it's kind of, you know it's kind of like it always reminds me uh i remember watching uh karkowski in portland do that really 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 slowed down massive fucking snaps and like yeah and a bunch of us you know, me and like Nick Wainwright and Josh Rose and a bunch of us and like Gordon Ashworth and all of us were just like, like, fuck, yeah, like, is that, you know, is that what it's all about? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, do we just hear these some cracks, you know, like the, the snap of a whip or whatever? Yeah. And then, um, and then, and it's just again, like, yeah, if I can fucking mentally like deconstruct that into like, that's what's purely entertaining me, then like, that's awesome, you know? Yeah. And it, I always kind of, I think back to, uh, to, uh, you know, like, like when you're at your, when all of us are like at our first, like harsh noise shows and we don't know what we're in for, you yeah. know? Sure. And I remember, I remember I was at an early sh show with a uh, sickness and, you know, or, or like, or Kelly Churko on the, the hospital guys. And you're like, yeah. you're watching your first harsh noise sound check. <laughs> you really, yeah don't know what you're it what's gonna what you're in for you yeah. know and like see with like chris from sickness he was super good at doing sound checks that were just like like massive just like yeah. crack yeah. if i remember correctly he'll probably be like sam you're an idiot i didn't, never <laughs> did that but, I, but that's what i remember you know yeah. so it's kind of like how you remember it and like, then they're like you know and then you're like holy fuck what happened you know and then yeah. like and and the and of course, you know, when the night goes on, you're hearing all the acts and everything. But for some reason, I always just remember those fucking early sound checks just being like, like, holy shit. And then like, so now I'm always, so when I, when I, you're able to play through like a, like a big PA or whatever, I, 
I love, you know, I'm always kind of love the idea of like replicating that yeah. feeling. I remember I was playing through this fucking completely irrational PA with Vomir and Richard Ramirez in, uh, in Houston a long time ago. Yeah. And, uh, and it was this, uh, this guy put on this, this show where he was just like, okay, I'm just going to fucking spend as much money as I can. I'm going to power this massive, like motorhead style wall of PA <laughs> with powered from like U-Haul trucks parked in the parking lot. Like it was Whoa. fucking insane. Even Vomir and Richard, we still talk about it. We're like, you remember that night? Like, wow. that was the loudest thing in the world, you know? And when we got there, we had a wall of fucking, like, amps behind. They were all, like, lighting up. And, like, wow. and again, he had alternate power generators coming from, like, U-Haul trucks in the parking Jesus. lot. And there's a video online of playing live just for us three. And he was just like, well, if I'm going to fucking fly, the re you know, every if Sam in and Vomir and... Yeah. It's the first time all these guys have all been with each other. I'm gonna fucking go all out or whatever. Wow. And uh, and he he played as well. Sick. And uh, and my brain just I I feel like a fucking asshole, but my brain just turned off. I can't remember his name. Jonathan, I think. Mm -hmm. Anyways, uh, yeah. So I mean, there's this incredible, there's this really good uh, video online where I'm like playing that show and uh, I. Uh, you know, I have, you know, I always work a lot live with like gating, like yeah. lots of like really, really, really gates. And I remember I did this. Yeah. There was like a, you know, a gate that went to silence. Yeah. And it was, you know, like, like cracking and then it went to silence. And then all you could hear this dude in the crowd just go, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and all of us were like, yeah, man, like this is like, you know, when you're like playing through a PA, that's almost just like, this isn't good. Like, <laughs> we're not, you know, you're like, but I remember I played through like Lashin from flat gray. He used to just like have the most irrational sound systems in Vancouver yeah. back in the day. And, uh, you know, cause it's Lashin, like it's, it's go big or go home. Right. Yeah. So it's like, so I remember there was one show we played at, at this pub and, uh, and I remember I like, I was an idiot well, not an idiot because it was fucking great, but I like had my head like kind of right by like one of the speakers all night or whatever. And it, you know, when you're just like, yeah, this isn't good. Yeah. This is bad. And then I fucking, it fucked up the hairs in my ears so badly that I was barfing for like Holy two days straight. Like I was barfing, getting into the car to go home. Whoa. And then I couldn't skateboard for two months. Whoa. Cause my balance fucked up. Holy shit. And then we just we're laughed about it for months. We're just like, yeah, I mean, that's a laugh show, <laughs> you know, like, but Jesus yeah, Christ. yeah. That's great when like the, the jags of silence in like gated harsh noise, that, that silence can be like, you know, almost as it can be even more powerful as, you know, cut, cut up artists again, they'll, they'll intentionally, you know, put in those those moments of silence for some sort of uh dramatic tension or something like that but but being able to hit those between like a continuous oh yeah block it's a, it's a it's a thing it's a thing of masters you know it's like the first time you see like sickness or 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 any of those guys you know yeah. like like stim boxers all back in the day it's like I mean, that was a thing for a lot of those guys back then. It was like, it was like, who the fuck can master their gear the most, yeah. you know, like, and 
and again, it's it's going right back. I mean, these guys were again. I don't want them to, to kill me, but I think of it as like those guys are playing with incredibly cracked out, distorted lines of different yeah. sound. You yeah, know? like especially when you see Chris now with his his modular. I swear, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, modular," and then it's just like, "Yeah, dude!" Like it's like it's even more cracking out than his yeah, like for sure. Box. Yeah. for sure yeah it's the silence but again the silence versus the like pure raw sound is just people building the textural kind of like scope yeah scope so to, to bring up your your point as well it, it is it is one of those things where it's just kind of like it is one of those things where it's like when you go to like a for like a whole other fucking example there are a lot of people that will get caught up in like, and kind of like not, you know, like drama or whatever. So especially when you go to like, maybe like more of like an ambient festival mm -hmm. and, and you watch like maybe like five acts in a row that all do the same story arc. Right. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. We start out with some quiet sounds, yeah, yeah. build, 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 build. Build, build, uh, yeah. and then, epiphany, epiphany rock. And then we all, yeah, then we all end up with that same sound. And then when you watch five of them in a row, yeah, you're like, this is more, yeah, this is music. Like, yeah. this is story, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Whereas, where it's just always kind of like, well, what if you came in hard in the middle? Like, what if you cut that part there? Are you, are you, yeah, exactly. you going to get the same, or do you need your story arc? You right. Know? Three new tapes coming soon on White Centipede Noise. Moosehead, The Doors of Perfection, Vincent Dallas, Phantom Clank, and Spring of Life, Brown Bed. Also still available, CDs from Apperpot, The New Boyfriends, Jason Krumer, K.M. Tupfer, Sewer Election and Treyarch's Rosette, Lacerations Compilation, as well as the final copies of Jeff German and Aaron Dilloway, Casual Collision CD, and Alter of Flies, Otterblick Triple LP. Also now offering free shipping on all orders of 100 euros or more at whitecentipedenoise.com. So shifting gears a little bit to your, your, the, 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 the content of your work, um, you know, you're known for your very explicit, obsessive, uh, focus on different themes. You've kind of had almost periods, you know, and you've kind of incorporated things together. Um, and they're all based on your own, your personal personal obsessions and interests. Can you kind of outline the progression of your these obsessions and maybe what I might call fetishes, not necessarily in a sexual sense, but these fetishes with 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 material objects or phenomena is kind of going back to the beginning as far as you can remember, like like childhood. Yeah, I mean, it all kind of it, I mean, it all kind of started with uh, for me, like in my life, like it all started with sharks. Like that was the first thing I was ever interested in it as a, like a kid i still have the very like i have this crazy uh collection of rubber sharks mm -hmm. and uh, i still have the first one i ever got when i was like a three-year-old or yeah. a two-year-old uh and um anyways when it comes to like sharks like i was you know i was born in 1973 and jaws was coming out and so here's like this little kid. You're just completely in, in, inundated with yeah. sh sharks, 
exploitation, which is what yeah. it's called now, you know, yeah. like man eating shark magazines and everything. And that was like a deep rooted thing that just isn't ever going to go away, you know? Yeah. So, so when I started working with, uh, when I started working with like harsh noise, especially in the nineties, you know, when I was still just doing kind of more like classic golden era, harsh noise. Um, yeah, it was like, okay, dude, you're like, cause I was like, when I was doing my BFA as well, or when I was in art, like, you know, the professors were really, really understandably into you, uh, being able to, um, to like, uh, to like kind of like show your personal yeah like like in your work you know what i mean like well what does what does this art have to do about with you right like, well, what are you obsessed with what are you interested in what do you love like what yeah. do you, you know and then so so i was like okay well i want to express all my my interests and then kind of like and integrate them directly so even if even if uh like my first tapes are like creature from the black lagoon and and, you know, and lots of like shark stuff and yeah. Jollo films. And yeah. it was like, so it was, it was like, well, I'm not just going to fucking record some harsh noise album and then just say, this is dedicated to Salo and this is dedicated yeah. to this. Yeah. It's like, it's like, no, like I want this to be completely based on its, its, its sounds, you know what yeah. I mean? So like, from, so, so even I, I always love the idea of like, even if it's completely subconscious, that's why I like putting those, those notes in the releases. I yeah. want people to like realize that, that all of the sound you're hearing is completely taken from it's, it's the topic. Like it's right. like what it's about. So any time you hear anything move or crack or like any texture or any like movement and sound that's coming. Like you can't ever forget that's coming directly from the source. That's coming directly yeah. from the interest. Yeah. Right. So it's like, so even if it, again, even if it's only subconscious, it's like, it's like, it's like, holy, like the most extreme example recently is that unitard apex tape so that's mm -hmm. like one of my favorite new classical ballets is the, the the legend of love and it's like so i'm going to completely deconstruct this audience live recording of the legend of love into like this snapping like what exactly what i want to fucking hear mm -hmm. and then on top of that is for me really important is that it's coming directly from that ballet and nothing else yeah you know yeah back in the day i'll like use source and then i'll use like you know, like other things that I had, you know, like various shaker boxes to right, complement right, right. it. And, you know, and you're always just kind of trying to keep in the theme or whatever. Right. Yeah. But it's, but it's, it's been great to be able to like, like deconstruct things. So people are like subconsciously appreciating the way a, a film moves or a ballet yeah. moves or a shark moves, you know? Yeah. How much, how much uh, emphasis or attention do you put on like the technical aspect or sides of it? Like, for example, like signal path. Like, do you, like is it important to you that this signal is one hundred percent pure and doesn't have any additional noise or whatever in it? You know, that's that's the that's been the the, the beauty of being able to like kind of like in the old days just kind of figure like a bunch of things out with colleagues like like Nick Wainwright, mm -hmm. where it's, where you just can 
get obsessed with gate mm-hmm. and uh, like bias and all that, and like really, really get your head wrapped around like vintage fuzzes and the way biases can be like as an, an application. So that was like a really, really nice way to be able to take exactly the cracks and the textures you want yeah. from your, you know, so yeah. So if, if, yeah, it, yeah. If that's what you're asking. So then that's when you'll have, like, maybe you'll have a bad recording session where you're just like, I cannot fucking get rid of this bullshit that's coming yeah. from this thing. Like what's going on. And that like the, the technical aspect. Yeah. You know? So, you know, starting sh- sharks are, are your original obsession and it's reflected on how to release it. Sorry, go ahead. Say it again. Oh yeah. Back to, to the, the original question. Yeah. And then it was like, you know, and then obviously like, you know, like getting into the sexual and the fetishistic and everything like that. And then even with that, I was just like, what do I fucking like about what I like, you know, like yeah. all the way down to like cleavage and like, yeah. you know, like deconstructing that as well. But, and then, um, what's been, what's been, yeah. And then, and then, yeah, as I touched on briefly, like jaw, jaw hollow film and then the, you know, the, the thousands of, of, of dead gods recording and then the, the, the decima moss or decima NMAS recordings yeah. where it was just like, especially for that one, it's like, no, I'm, I'm fucking getting in the water I'm getting the Italian full face mask. Yeah. I'm getting the 50 foot cord that goes down into the ocean. I'm going to be scraping around in the cord. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I want this to be like the real fucking deal, you yeah. know, like, or all the way down. Yeah, like ocean ocean fishing. Like, what's it gonna sound like if a giant, like a like a lingcod, takes this lure with a contact mic on it? You know? Like, yeah. Like, I want it to be like in it. You know? Yeah. So, so, what does that feel like to embody to get as close as you can to those sources of obsession? Like to be in that suit or to be in those, you know? Or to like be in like a shark cage and all that stuff exactly um, it's it, it's amazing it's i mean it's it's i mean it's like okay it's it's one of those things where it's like you know for lots of us it's like you know like uh art is like a life ex- experience and if you can like if you can um if you can translate eventually these really really sincere interests into like the eventual sound and you know that it's been completely built on actual physical experience as well. That it mm-hmm. adds a whole other kind of like, you know, kind of like adventure, like life adventure in, in harsh noise, you know? Like yeah. When you, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's amazing because you'll be down at the, you know, you'll be, you know, you'll, you'll be down like 20 feet, you know, kind of scraping around on, on coral and rocks and, yeah. and stuff with like a, like a hydrophone, like a contact mic made for it and uh yeah and and then that's when you kind of forget like oh yeah i forgot this is going to be like a this is going to be a harsh noise <laughs> this is going to eventually be a release hopefully. yeah just down yeah bottom, you know, and, like just scraping around and like you know almost like playing world world war ii <laughs> yeah <laughs> because of course of course 
down in the ocean. I've got the diver's knife. I've got the whole kit, you know, and I'm getting like my mom, funnily enough, or awesomely enough, my mom, I recorded a lot of that by my parents' house up on the Sunshine Coast. And they yeah. live by all these incredible uh, little har harbors where you mm. can just jump in the water off a cliff. And it just, it's a sheer drop down, wow. you know, like 50 feet or whatever. So I got her to be in charge of sitting on the, on the rocks with the recorder, cool. you know, and the, and the quarter inch cord like wrapped around her arm. So I could just like dive down with this 50 foot cable wow. and just like mess around and she's like recording it for me. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Are there but, photos uh, of that? There's no photo. There. I think there's actually a photo of her on the beach, but all that picture of me with the knife and the watch, she took all those pictures. Killer. That's and the killer. mic. The mic is kind of like, I'm in the water, splat, the mic's with me, but yeah, yeah, she was just up on the beach. Killer. Or not the beach, like the rock. Yeah. But yeah, it was hilarious. But yeah, so, it, it worked amazing. So, so now um, – your primary focus and interest is ballet and it has been for some time. And, you know, there's a, there's a documentary called tights worship where you've, you've spoken about it. You know, you've spoken about it a number of times, but, um, why is ba ballet the pinnacle obsession for you? Why is ba ballet the pinnacle theme? Ballet, uh, like I'll, I'll tell the, I've, I've told the, the, the story like to like friends and stuff, but I remember my, my boss, um, PD of Skull Skates. He uh, he knows that I, I drink a lot of pop. Like I drink a lot of Pepsi. And mm -hmm. he uh, one day he he came in the and he 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 loves he loves going to like thrift stores a lot and buying yeah. like amazing old stuff. He found me this crazy old Pepsi like advertisement on like this giant card poster. Yeah, and he's like Sam, I got. It's just like this this Pepsi ad, and I'm like, oh shit, that's fucking crazy. And then, <laughs> and then I turned it around, and it turned out that it was actually a someone used like this card Pepsi advertisement to mount a fine art poster of like a mo like this incredible Moses Soye uh, painting of of dancers like ballet dancers re re relaxing against a wall or whatever. Wow. And I'm looking at it; it's all like bare feet and like tights and everything. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like. And I'm like, like, oh shit! Like, why have I never? Like, it was under my radar, but it's like, why have I never like, like looked like this is it? Like, what? Yeah. Like every all of my ideas that are swirling in my head, and all the different releases, and the it's all in the classical ballet. Wow. Right. Like it's all there. So, like okay, I like you know it's like the craziest epiphany probably in my life. Crazy. So then I'm like. So on my way home, carrying the poster, I like went to a like a like a book. There's a a bookstore chain in Canada called uh, called Chapters, and it's kind of like Barnes and Noble yeah. in America. Anyway, so I go there on my way home, and I'm like, I'm going to the ballet section. I don't even know if there was a ballet. Section. So I go to the ballet section. There's this incredible book uh, called Ballerina. It's written by a Canadian woman, and it was it's basically the history of exploitation in the classical ballet. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, you know, I'm literally holding the poster wow. in one arm and like looking at this book, going through it. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, okay. So I bought the book, ran home, reading the book. Then I find out on top of that, especially because, you know, 
I've done releases in the past to do with uh, es- escorting in Europe and the, the Mediterranean and the, mm-hmm. and the brothels and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going through this book and I'm like, okay, like the classical ballet is completely rooted in brothel culture mm-hmm. and, and like, unfortunately, like, like white slave trade, like really, yeah. really exploitive, you know, and like, like in Paris and all that and yeah. all the way down to the point where I'm just like, who were these early choreographers? Like, right. Like Marius Petipa and everything. like incredible artists, but like these guys are virtually, you know, I'm not making this up. Like these guys are virtually putting like 20 or 30 women on stage. Right. Like he like, you know, he, you know, they, these are the guys that came up with the tutu. Right. They came up with the tights. Right. They came up with point. Right. Like all like for the the women, you right. know, and then and then it was well known that it was like a lot of it was which women's are going to go home with which which rich men that night. So there's these like really wow. really explicit essays by men that went to those shows back in the day where they were just like overhearing conversations all the time, just like like oh what's her name looks incredible tonight. Look at her legs. Yeah. That's who I'm going home with tonight. You know. It's like I've got this there's a there's a comic I have from like a newspaper, like a French one back in the day, where it's like this smarmy man, old man at the door of like the dancer's room and you know, basically that's the the essence of it. you know, like a lot yeah. of those old uh a lot of the, the paintings of the, the the time as well. It's like that's the portrayal of that. You know, and a lot of the young dancers were called rats, like wow. petite rats and they were kind of being to, to uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, again, it's an incredibly. Ex- it's almost incredible that it, that a ape, you know, like an apex performing classical art came out of that world. Right. <laughs> you know? That's wild. Yeah. So, like, or you read about it and find out about it and its history and everything, and you're like, that's a that's a you know. So of course the Rita and like past themes and everything that just kind of like culminated with everything else. Then on top of that, you get like the, you get all the, the aesthetics and the, and the movement and the, and the, and the, and the, 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 the completely abstracted lifestyles. Yeah. These women have like, the, the, sure. the complete, like the unreality, like it's an incredibly abstract themes Yeah, as well. So, so all of that was just a massive like culmination where it was just a really easy thing to be like, I can just make my whole life about the, the, the classical ballet and then like have little, little tendrils, like get, you know, like Shakespeare ballets and yeah. And, and yeah. So do you think that will ever be a, a, a theme which is surpassed? I mean, you've said it's kind of like the pinnacle and like, that's kind of like it for you, but do you, do you yeah, see it evolve from that? Uh, I mean, I, I literally, it sounds weird, but I can't imagine it because it's like when you reach like, like an, an apex like that, there's nothing, there's nothing really else. Like all, like, you know, all the way down to the heavy eye makeup. Yeah. And then every time I, every time, and your mind is just constantly blown with like all of these, like all of the original 
designs for like costume and tights. Like you can trace like if anyone shows me like, oh Sam, have you seen this incredible new uh these you know, I'll get a link from a friend. Like, have you seen these incredible new tights from like Fogal or Wolford? And you're just like, oh yeah, those are a recreation of ones that came out in the thirties, like, you right. know, like for this one ballet. Yeah. You know, and you're just, so it always is back, you know, like, yeah. oh, look at this woman's incredible makeup. It's so insane. And yeah. then you're like, oh yeah, that's from that 1920 Diagla ballet. Like it's, it just keeps, yeah. keeps coming back. It's, it's like just when I thought I was done, it pulls me back in, you know, like. <laughs> Do you ever see yourself leaving, like losing interest in harsh noise and, and, and focusing purely on ballet in some other form? No, because it's, it's harsh sound is my, it's always going to be like kind of like under like the, the Rita um, umbrella, mm -hmm. you know, like, because the, the Rita has kind of turned into a. It's just like a title for my works, you know, like to, to touch upon those recordings that you brought up as well. Like a lot of them, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the recent ones that are really minimal and, and cracking or never, yeah. I've already noticed a couple of comments where it's just kind of, kind of like, you know, the same thing where it's like, oh, this all sounds the same blah 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 and it's just like yeah but each one of these pieces is coming from a completely different source and i and again i i i think of like harsh sound in terms of the the visual arts and that it'll be like like you're going through a period as well so it's kind of like i ad reinhardt didn't just do one black on black painting right you know Jackson Pollock didn't just do one. You know what I mean? So it's like, of course, it's like, no, I'm gonna fucking gonna do this. I'm gonna do it right. I'm gonna do it over like a period. Yeah. You know. And yeah. Really fucking investigate it. Yeah. And what? And I appreciate it. So I, you know, one of the one of the, the the main things about all this too is that I have the ability to like do it. Like, I can always do it in the privacy of my own home, but I'm I'm blessed and 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 consider myself really really lucky that I've got enough people that want to support what I do. Right. So I can, I can do these releases, you know, and, and travel the world and like yeah. play them and all that as well. Yeah. That's awesome.
when you described just now ballet, kind of basing your life around ballet, um, can you tell us a little bit about what your daily life is? I mean, we know you, we, you know, you've referred to the fact that you work for Skull Skates and you're involved in a lot of different things, yeah. uh, kind of various, but also some, somewhat interconnected. And it seems like you have a fairly like synthesized life where you've kind of brought many, many of your very specific interests in kind of a together, a way that, that kind of mesh together. Can you kind of describe what your daily life and daily routine is like? Well, every day I wake up, I wake up, I go to, <laughs> I'm an idiot. I don't eat till usually around two or three in the afternoon. But anyways, I wake up to work and I go to work at, I work full time at Skull Skates, which mm -hmm. is the classic uh, ledge, ledge, legendary old skateboard brand, Canadian skateboard brand. Um, yeah, and I, and at there, so all day what I'll do there is I'll like, I lay out, I lay out a lot of, uh, I lay out all the artwork. I do a lot of the accounting, the, the bookkeeping, mm -hmm. the orders, everything. There's only three of us here, including the, the owner, the boss, PD. So we're really like tight team. But, uh, and then what, what's just on like a, like a quick side note, like what's hilarious about that is that I, I've, uh, a lot of my like the Rita or Harsh noise marketing comes from a pretty deep understanding of how marketing works in the in the skateboard world. Yeah, and by and vice versa. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so it's like so it's like, and then when I work with the guys from like the you know like I you know like I work at Skull Skates and you know I work with you know so I work with the 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 barrier cult guys a lot. Yeah. So, so then I'll bring that ideas as well. It'd be like, like, this is how we should do it like this. Yeah. You know? like, like, this is how I do it with Rita. We should do it like that, you know, yeah. like, because this will translate better. What is barrier are, cult for those who don't know? Oh, the barrier cult is a group of guys all the way down from Vancouver, all the way down to San Diego. Uh, there's like 12, I think, no, maybe like 12 average titled members, like officially titled members. Mm -hmm. And they're uh, all anonymous. They come up with, uh, uh, their names are come up with by like the guy who's like the, the, the head of it, but it's all anonymous. So I can't really talk about who they are. Or sure. Whatever. But yeah, they all wear like balaclavas or masks when they when they skate. No one knows who they are. A lot of them are, most of them are ex pros, ex like sponsored guys mm -hmm. that are like uh, that are just kind of over the industry. Yeah. So the barrier call was like a really nice outlet for them to just do anything they wanted. That was a little bit more obsessive and yeah, pointed like and. Uh, yeah, and then on top of that, the reason it's called the barrier call is because all they skate are. Like like the barriers that you see on like a highway, mm -hmm. so really like tight, violent transitions, yeah. and then they've turned that into a whole too, right? But yeah, I work with them. I mean, they're they're not the the nicest dudes, <laughs> which is awesome. Because, you know, it's not like oh, I I love this I love this this pro skateboarder. He's so hardcore and scary, you know. But yeah. I met him and he's the nicest guy. Is so great, and I'm like. Yeah, it's awesome because, like, I mean, one thing about skull skates is that, it, you know, it's always had, like, a pretty intimidating 
kind of feel behind it. I mean, we're yeah. nice enough dudes, but yeah, people don't really like to fuck with us. Right. Just based on all the stories I've heard in the eighties. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's best it's be, it's it's been incredible being a part of this this lean this lineage or whatever. Yeah. Being again being being under the umbrella of Skullscapes, being able to do exactly what you want to fucking do. Yeah. No, no bullshit. Yeah. So. How has that how has that informed what you do with the Rita? Um, again, it's like you get to you. I mean, a lot of skateboarders are obsessives, and it's an incredibly independent sport. Yeah, that hopefully stays that way. But it's um, so you 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 get to see the same pad patterns with like skateboard fandom and harsh noise fandom. Yeah. So you, you can actually like predict the way people see things and everything. Sure. Yeah. And then it's just like, no, I'm going to, you know, and, and my boss, like PD is incredible. At, like just giving just enough in information to keep things really, um, kind of mysterious now, like a bunch of like power, especially if you go through like yeah. all the ads from back in the eighties, Yeah, you know, like really intimidating. Yeah team you know yeah and, and then there's like there's this really really incredible badass gang like skate uh gang called like the jacks team and those guys are really really involved in you know those guys are around yeah. vancouver's got a huge like, contingent of them and those guys are around as well so it's it's always great to be able to like meet and hang out with a bunch of those guys and talk to them about early backpatch culture and their logos and their slogans and their manifestos. And right. So it all, it all, it all ties in. If you keep your head in the right part of skateboarding, yeah. You know, sure. the more kind of like truly part of it, you can, yeah, you can translate a lot of those ideas back and forth with the Rita, you know, how do you feel when it comes to marketing? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's, that's, that is huge. And something I was going to maybe mention, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about myself, but your question, the question I asked you at the beginning about, um, you know, this, this, this dedication, like feeling like you're dedicating your life to harsh noise. Um, I remember when I kind of made that realization that it had to be that way for me. Um, it was very much informed by like a lot of these minimal and threatening descriptions that I was reading, like, and coming across, like, with, like, the like the Tronics descriptions and websites and like finding your disc and and the, and the Cherry Point, but it was like at a point where I was in I, like I was a teenager in high school and like a lot of my friends I never came from like extreme music background or punk like that I was never involved or, or really exposed to that but like a lot of my friends were like oh yeah there's like noise shows going on and like there was this kind of like year couple year long period where you know i guess wolf eyes was really popular and like there were these house shows where it'd be like oh this is a noise show and everyone would go and it'd be kind of like some drummer and then some electronics on top of it and some kind of like experimental stuff and it was getting called noise the entire time and i was like okay this is interesting this is like music with some some noisy stuff on it. But then I kind of got at some point accidentally introduced to the cherry point. <laughs> um, Cause actually my favorite band at the time was called Shushu and they were kind of like this experimental pop indie band. And, but 
the the Cherry Point did a remix of one of their songs, and it was literally just the the song was absolutely one hundred percent gone, not at all to yeah. recognize, and it was just this crushing, cascading, you know, three minute chunk of harsh noise, and that like that totally flipped a switch in my head, and that's why I. I I found the Tronics website. I started ordering. I started like being like, oh, this is what noise is all about. So then I was talking to all my friends like, yeah, like noise shows, noise. And they were like, they didn't, they were not at all on the same page. It was like, no, like noise is like can or noise is like, I don't know. But I, at some point I, I started realizing I was like totally obsessed with this sound. And I, I was like, I need to only listen to sound. I can't, I, like, I, I can't do it, but I, I felt like it was a very like conscious decision that I had to make to be like, I'm going to go down this path, but I'm going to actually have to cut myself off from a lot of like, yeah, no, I mean, that's, it's one of those things where people, again, it's a, it's, it's at that argument. It's like, Oh, we got to always think outside the box and we can't, I hate all these different genres. And it's yeah. just like, it's what you just described. Yeah. How much bullshit you had to go through <laughs> to get to, what you wanted to hear you know what i mean it's like because noise is such a fucking like ridiculous blanket term yeah you know but it but but it but it felt like a, it felt like a weird decision you know it, it felt like someone who like realizes they have some sort of like very dangerous fetish or like sexual like preference and yeah. and has like it's, and has like and has like always like said like i'm not going to go for it and it's like it felt like okay i have to i have to follow this and it's going to fuck my life up but i have but i can't you know not do it you know and i don't i mean it's one it's one of those things as, as you get older ironically that that danger kind of you know you're just kind of like it's like oh i'm actually like oh i'm into like this and this and i'm not i'm actually just i'm fucking normal exactly i i, I feel i don't like, feel about that at, at, at all to this day i mean i think that that's very silly but but that's how it really felt that way like it felt I, it didn't feel cool also it didn't feel like oh i'm gonna get into noise because it's cool like i thought getting into noise was cool because all my friends were going to these parties and getting drunk and like everyone's like noise party and everyone's dancing at the noise party but once i realized actually what i want from noise like getting into this is actually going to make me is going to be difficult simply like like it's going to change my life in a weird way. And it's not like people, it's not like I didn't have friends after that, but it, it just had a different sort of like, um, well, you're, you're, you're basically, you're basically just into like a different form of art. I mean, yeah, like, I, I mean, that's all it the, is. That's, the, that is all it is. Older, one of the dumbest things ever is the people that still play the fucking, the transgressive game, yeah. you know, like, you know, the idiots that are kind of like on the outer fringes that think that noise is something that's crazy yeah you know like yeah, yeah. Like whatever it's like what's fucking there's nothing once you really get out of your own way and like realize that nothing you're doing is fucking crazy yeah i remember martin sassaville <laughs> said that one of his greatest fucking quotes ever i think that might be like a famous quote i can't remember <laughs> but he was just like if your intent is to shock then you've already failed yeah yeah <laughs> you know it hits you like a ton of bricks where it's just like you just like certain cracking you know like textures and everything and it's just like yeah but dude your mom just came home from the mall and she bought a a cd of rain on a tin roof like yeah same thing and then that girl just talked to on fucking on some dating site is bragging about some 
some fucking CD she bought on the ferry that's just like recordings of like wildlife and nature. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like noise is like the least. It's there's nothing. Tra- it's nothing transgressive about it. It's not like anti music and all that bullshit. It's just yeah. it's just fucking. It's just you know. It, you know, it's like it's like when you're at like a like an NHRA race or whatever, and you're like you're watching people run from pit to pit. Yeah. In little drones to watch the cars, the engines get rebuilt and then get fired up. It's like, and they're all like, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's like those are fucking harsh sound fans, you yeah. know, like like maybe more than us, right? You know, because sure. what they're listening to is gnarly and fucking whatever we listen to. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, and there's guys <laughs> when you dedicate your whole life. If you're just some like dude that drives like a muscle car and you're like a completely, I've watched videos of guys like that, you know, drive like new Mustangs and, and, you know, or Dodge Chargers or Challengers and everything. And I've seen like, seen like hour long, I don't know when, you know, when you're just like going through the wormhole of the internet, I've seen like almost hour long videos of guys in their driveways, changing little parts of their mufflers on on new cars yeah. to achieve certain sounds. Yeah. And then them standing around the car saying like, I don't, oh, like the, it sounds a little too canny. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get under there again and put this part, you know, and yeah. you're just like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Car sound, you know, what I mean? that's like, like those guys don't know it or don't fucking care. Maybe they care more than us. I don't know. Sure. That's an industry that makes a hell of a lot more money than us. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the aftermarket muscle car muffler industry, is that the most obsessed harsh noise label in the world? You know, like it could, it could be. And I, and I feel like sometimes I feel like a lot of noise artists or fans aren't really listening that close sometimes certain ones. And I, I like to, I mean, I place bets with myself sometimes when I notice certain people, that kind of get involved or, or even if they've been in noise for a while, I kind of notice, okay, this person is really, they're in noise because they, 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 they are involved in noise because it was the most, you know, it was the next most angry thing, like after metal or after like, uh, whatever. And that's their reason for getting into it. But I, I, I always place bets. Okay. How long till this person disappears from this world? Because, that doesn't last, you know, that doesn't, it's, it's one of those things too, where it's like you, you, and then you, you know, you get old enough where you start looking at, yeah, exactly what you said. You even look at some of the most classic fucking bands and projects of all time, like back in the late seventies. And it's like, these are all those, I guess everything they did was just steps before they ultimately just wanted to be a pop band. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So that, that brings me to my my next question one you know and you're just like not everyone but it, you know <laughs> was your whole goal that you know yeah yeah that that brings me to my next question you had this you had like what was i think quite a legendary internet moment because you you joined instagram kind of later yeah. to the game um and you surprised the hell out of me and i think a lot of people because you made a meme and it was like uh, a drawing of like a mock-up of two different T-shirts, 
and one said keep industrial out of harsh noise and the other one said techno is not sound art yeah (laughs) (laughs) what what are those statements about as like a preface here it's like the the industrial shirt doesn't say industrial music sucks and everyone that listens to it is a fucking idiot like that's not what it says yeah it says keep industrial out of harsh those those both of those shirts came out at a time when things were getting really wacky like getting strange you know and it was getting to the point where like things needed to be reassessed because because like every second harsh noise project i was getting recommended were maybe five minutes of like crushing harsh noise that would just turn into like an industrial beat. Yeah. 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 And then like, but it was all the way down to like playing shows and having people be like, Oh, you should, you should have this artist open for you. He's the most crushing harsh noise artist right now in that area. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, you know, awesome. Yeah. And then like, same thing, three minutes in, you're like, yeah, this is fucking great. And then suddenly, (laughs) <laughs> and you're like what the fuck and then like and then you see the crowd shift yeah you know and you see people run up to the stage and start doing this yeah. and you're like what's happening? and then but it gets to the point where it's like when it turns when it started turning into false advertising that's when i was like you know like oh look at this shirt and then <laughs> Let's, you know, like, ha, ha, let's do this shirt. And then, uh, yeah, and you're just seeing, yeah, again, it's like going back to, like, the entertainment thing, you know? Right. It's like, it's like maybe you're not, I mean, I mean, I mean, again, it's like if people that are into an industrial are into an industrial, you know? But just don't fucking tell me. Well, what about the people who say, like, harsh it, noise. What, what about the people who think that it, kind of evolve from from industrial see that that i mean then there's that too i mean like that is just like the biggest misnomer fucking like like reevaluation of history i don't i don't understand that i mean it's like it's like how like you know like with like the you know like the futurists and then like and then like you know and then in the 60s you had artists like like Ben Patterson and, you know, doing like his, the, the paper piece when played at like really insane volumes is, is fucking gnarly. And like, and like Philip Corners, uh, I mean, a long time ago, Aaron Dilloway got a hold of me and said, dude, have you fucking heard this Philip Cornell corner track, uh, an electronic cantata, the images of war, like black hole. And I'm like, no. And he's like, dude, like, and it's like crushing, like yeah. incapacitant style, harsh fucking, yeah. and then like wolf Vostel, like you know like and these are like we're talking like 1968 yeah. 1963 yeah you know like wolf Vostel doing like the 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 decollage and then like and then even doing like Mottaus and orchestra style crackling like radio crackling with the radio decollage and like and then max Nohouse like doing Fontana mix feed, you know what yeah. I mean? And like, and you know, and then even in the, 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 the later seventies, you have like the haters, yeah. you know, like GX and you have like, like Walter Mar Marchetti or Marchetti yeah. 
And they're all doing and all of that is crushing harsh noise, right. like more harsh noise than like the, the what what we do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, but like so so I understand that there was like these industrial groups, like like Neubauten and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, I mean, but it just when you look when you take a step back, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and you out of your own way and you look at what a lot of these industrial groups were doing yeah. was they were kind of like, and it's not like they weren't conscious of it, you know? Cause I mean, a lot of these guys were in arts school and shit. Yeah. So it's like, they were like, well, what would happen if we took, you know, like, like what Ben Patterson, you know, like Wolf Ostella or whatever. And we added beats. Yeah. Or we turned them into pop music. Like we, and then we presented it in a, like a rock band environment, right. you know, which is basically kind of like the, the, the crux of it is like, how can we take a gallery piece like a wolf off stuff? And, and like, I mean, again, like people might tear me apart out of all this shit, but it's almost like, how can we translate harsh, really, really harsh sound art into a rock band environment? Yeah. And the only the only fucking thing that pure sound has in common with music is the formats, mm -hmm. you know. Like, but again, that's just me and my like manifesto brain, sure. you know. Like, and and it's like, and again, the shirt doesn't say industrial sucks, and everyone that listens to it should die. It's like, it just says like, like it's it's the false advertising was just driving me fucking crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like when you're into a and a really popular band or something and the fans drive you fucking crazy yeah. like yeah i'd get way more that and go to the shows but the fans oh fuck, <laughs> i can't do with that you know it's kind of like that you know yeah. same type of well but it's like but what's ironic is that like i have a deep i have a deep connection with like industrial i mean i mean like i'm from vancouver yeah. the dude from frontline assembly printed the skull skate shirts for 20 fucking yeah. years I know him personally. Yeah. I talk to him about shit all yeah. the time. Uh, this, my brother's boss at his, one of his sponsors, like produced all the Skinny Puppy yeah. records. Like I was listening to Skinny Puppy tapes as a kid in grade five yeah. because a friend of ours, my best friend in school, his brother was, was, um, was a, a DJ at like a college radio station. Yeah. So he would make us mixtapes as like little great five kids listening to this shit and but so yeah i know <laughs> you know but it's like but are at the same time it's like i'm always just kind of aware i mean are those guys aware of the the rich world of harsh noise yeah i mean when you talk to the when you when you talk to them i mean all those guys are they're it just seems like they're just completely obsessed with 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 the studio, uh -huh. okay. <laughs> you know, like, again, I'm totally out, out of my own thing. I mean, this is just, it's just at this point, it's just comedy, it's like friends with these guys, but it's like, so uh, I'm talking out of my ass, but it's just like, whenever I have any conversations with them, cause you know, some other friend would be like, Oh dude, like you should ask him to go into the studio <laughs> with them and you can create some shit. And I'm, and then I'll, he'll come in and we'll be talking, you know, and it'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. they just have no fucking interest, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> like, oh, no, I'm going 
Germany play a fucking industrial fest, you know? But yeah, it's uh. Anyways, but, false advertising. That was the only thing that was I was getting stressed out about. But what was the, the neat part about all that is that it created a lot of discussion, yeah. you know, and the and the techno thing. Because a lot of people are asking about that. They're just like, well, what the fuck did that mean? And I'm like, it was kind of the same thing. It was like, because, you know, I'm 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 neck deep in the Media Arts Canada Council grant thing, yeah. you know. And which is amazing and incredible. I'm so thankful. But it's, you know, you'll have peers that are just like, oh, Sam, I just got a $20,000 grant to do or you'll hear about it you know, like oh did you hear that so-and-so got twenty thousand dollar grant to do a a sound installation in a space at this gallery downtown and i'm like oh shit let's let's go check it out you know so <laughs> so we'll go look and then you go in and like, you know like and then you're like oh cool you got a twenty thousand dollar arts grant to fucking make a dance club like like i don't you know yeah and even if, again, the same thing with the real thing, it'll start with like, oh, look, like when you walk through this certain part of the room, it creates sounds coming out of here. And oh, it's great. And then, oh, oh inevitably, <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah. But yeah, so that was a whole other part of it, you know, that was, you know, but again, false advertising. <laughs> did you get a lot of flack for that or did, did people take it pretty, did they, did they get, your your statement and your humor, your humor about it because I think I mean it's safe to say that was also humorous. I mean, you were you were all yeah. I mean that's that's the, the thing about it is that it was like um, yeah. I mean, I mean the joke that everyone you know like that we always kind of laugh about is that I mean you can fucking go onto like a noise board and talk about rape and Nazis yeah all day yeah. and no one gives a but then once you like attack somebody's taste, that's when the shit. Happens. Yeah. Right. So it'll be like a two, two page thread in a forum about like someone getting called out as a Nazi or whatever the fuck, or someone that raped somebody at a show yeah. or raped an artwork or something. And then it's like, and then, and then a fucking 400 page thread, <laughs> about how Sam's a fuck and he doesn't understand that throbbing gristle invented harsh noise, you know, like, you know, <laughs> that's, well, yeah, I mean, it goes, it goes back so, to that yeah. split between like, I think noise as a subversive or transgressive element that people think are using because they think it's like unpleasant and, and disturbing. Well, I mean, things too. It's like, I mean, I, I mean, like I, I you know, I'm really, I'll admit, you know, like, like, you know, when I was in the nineties, I was a fucking poser, you know, like I, because, you know, I'd be like, like Sam, you can't understate how important big black was to you and harsh noise. And I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. It was a nice little gateway, but I was a fucking poser. I didn't know Mott House and orchestra existed. Yeah. Like I didn't know that in 19 fucking 80. Yeah. Italians were making like, crunching hours of pure harsh noise with no beats and music or anything, yeah. you know? And, you know, I was conscious of like fluxus and everything, but I didn't know, you know, but whenever I would see examples of it, it wasn't 
harsh noise. Like you can, you have to dig into that, right. or you know, to figure out that some of the like doing overwhelming walls of harsh noise. But it's like, and yeah, and I'm just like, yeah, I was a fucking poser, you know. I didn't fuck. I didn't, know, you know. I knew about industrial. And I knew it wasn't noise. Right. They had noisy parts. Maybe they'll fire up a chainsaw during one of the dance parts or something. <laughs> you know. So, but that was about it. Right? Moving away from from uh, industrial to, you know, you referenced earlier. You said it was a Frankenstein movement that you're kind of, you know, responsible for, which was like the most pure, pure ex expression of harsh noise. Was you know you made this uh this disc total slitting of throats. Yeah. Which was a collaboration and this this was like in my by my estimation, it was kind of like the first really, really, really specifically static harsh noise wall thing after there was like some a lot of work going in this direction. Um yeah, yeah. what how did that come about and what what was your goal with that release? I mean, again, I, I was lucky enough to have these incredible like colleagues that kind of believed in it as well. But it was also just kind of a response to, um, yeah, I mean, just appreciating different forms of like of harsh noise that you like, and knowing that they're a very definite taste-driven, heavy listening experience. You know, so it's so it's like, and the walls of noise thing is basically just like when you're talking, when you're at, when, you know, when you're at your, in your apartment, talking with a bunch of friends about noise, it's like, even back in the day, it was like, oh, I kind of prefer this incapacitance CD because it's just a giant wall of noise, yeah. quote unquote, you know, it's not a new expression, yeah. but again, we were just, but, you know, I was just like, you know, being able to ask like Tommy and Dan and Keith and like, and Phil to like, yeah, just just give me like an hour of your most crushing, like what you think is a perfect tone. And let's just see what happens when I'll get like, I got a friend of mine who was really good with like pro tools at the mm -hmm. time, you know, to like mix yeah. it. And he did an incredible yeah. job somehow fucking hear every different yeah. work. Yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, so that was just like like a kind of like a greater understanding and appreciation of what we like exactly. Yeah about about harsh noise yeah and i've noticed you're careful to call it wall of noise because there's now been a genre clearly defined as hnw harsh noise wall what do you think about what yeah. it's what it's uh what it's spurred this 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 movement of this this subgenre of you know harsh noise that strictly follows these specific rules um I mean, again, it's it's hard not to it's hard not to like uh, hold like uh, like look at it and and really really appreciate it in the fact that there's this giant movement of like of like younger guys that are like hanging out on their own in their apartments or their houses and just completely fucking obsessing over singular tones, yeah. you know? And it's like, and, and I had no idea back in the nineties or whatever, that that would be a thing, you know what right. I mean? 
and it's just like and people that get all upset about it and like and like oh we need to we need to we need to you know think more out of the box we need to be you know all this kind of shit and i'm like well how fucking insane is it and obsessive and crazy and just and art driven is it that like there's these got these these people these artists that are just hanging out again listening for some of those guys are making you know those crazy 10 hour releases and they're listening to the whole thing you know like which and it's just like that is some fucking intense appreciation of harsh sound you know like and i and i don't know if if it's completely because of the hnw thing you know like but like vom, like vom, like Romain was a big part of it. Vomir was a big part of it, where he just ran with, yeah, with that idea, the the, the militant idea, yeah. and you know, was just kind of like, yeah, this is going to be my thing, you know, like, and then and then yeah, it, it it caught on. But again, I think it's, I mean, occasionally I'll you know I'll I'll kind of bounce around on like band camp occasionally or yeah. whatever, and and like. Cause I always want to make sure that I'm hearing, like, I don't want to miss, I don't, I, I really, I don't want to miss anything that these younger artists or newer artists are right. doing because some of them are coming up with some like crackle pad patterning and everything that is just fucking incredible. Yeah. And you don't know what they're doing or how they're doing right. or who cares. Right. But it's like, yeah. And I don't ever want to miss right. that, you know, and like, you know, and, and so, yeah, so I'll have a look around occasionally just to get like caught up because it'd be like, you know, and yeah, and again, that's just a, that's an in- incredibly kind of like deconstructed focus on harsh sound that all these newer artists have that is like really, really, you, like, I mean, I, I mean, the problem, I guess, is a, a lot of them are, some of them are, are obviously kind of doing it because it is like a, like the, the crux of like, you know, they're thinking of it in like terms of transgressiveness. Right. Or like, do you ever consider that? I mean, not that. Do you ever consider that this approach is stunting people's not, not necessarily creativity? Cause I understand what you're saying about this, this focus and sound, but do you ever feel like sometimes people aren't really listening that close? They're just kind of doing this because in some ways it's technically quite easy and it's accepted and it's, um, you know, established. Do you think that's sort of uh, also happening? Yeah, I mean, occasionally you'll 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 see like a newer artist that's just like the the things the the thing that they, they got me was that I mean yeah of course there's going to be tons of other people that are into like fetishism and nylon yeah and, and Jollo films but it was it was kind of but I guess I guess it's in it and it's interesting I guess <laughs> that like. The Jollo thing was the thing that drove people the most crazy because there was always just like all these tons and tons of new acts that were like Jollo noise yeah. or whatever. And it was, you know, and the earliest example I know of quote unquote Jollo noise would be like Atrax Morgan and Richard, right. right? And then, yeah, it was just hilarious how like the themes kind of went part and parcel with the, with the, with the sound, yeah. <laughs> you know, which I, now it isn't, you know, you, you know, cause there's like hundreds and hundreds of those guys out there and they're all like kind of doing their right. own thing. Right. But I always thought that was kind of like the, the I mean, again, we're, but it's just, you know, coming from the skateboard world and, and everything and you just look at it kind of like marketing. Right. You know? Yeah. Like it was marketing. 
Yeah, and I mean, um, you're obviously a fan of of these kind of dogmatic movements, these kind of militant movements. I mean, there was also Wall Riders, the project, right? That was kind of like an anonymous thing, a, a little bit like Barrier Cult in a way. Like it was like kind of the... yeah. The Wall Rider was uh, putting putting the, the sound like completely foremost, and then letting letting all the, the peers and colleagues in that world kind of like run yeah. with it. The, the, wall, the wall riders thing was intense because it was, you know, when you're kind of like, when you're like, okay, fuck it. None of us are going to have an act anymore. <laughs> We're all going to be under wall. Yeah. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, was that the idea that you guys would the most, you know, at last, was that the idea that you guys would actually, yeah, it lasted like projects? what? I mean, that was like a, the extreme. It was kind of like, okay, we're making harsh sound foremost. From now on, no one, no one has an act. We we're all under the mantra wall riders, and no one even fucking knows who's on any of the wall riders yeah. tapes. So go get a, a job and just do that instead. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, that was so long ago. It was so long ago now. But I think. What two or three tapes came out of that? Okay. Uh, I it seems like I at least know of Johan, one Johan. tape and one CDR. I think so. yes. all of the, the 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 history of all that shit. I remember hearing back in the day who was on the the one on Harsh Head Rituals, but I won't say. Yeah. I mean, which is insane because it's just like it came out on fucking Harsh Head Rituals, yeah. which is crazy. You know, yeah, like, absolutely. Now revered as one of the tape labels For of sure. all time right so yeah. it's like so it was a thing it wasn't just some like right but yeah it was a yeah you know it was coming from a like a time I yeah. guess um, going back to what you've talked about the kind of mystique and mysteriousness of like the bear cult guys and this how, how, how powerful this can be and how this kind of presentation is very powerful and a part of the work. How do you feel about today's age? And of course the, the obvious question is how, social media, but like, for example, like, like a video podcast like this, like part of my, like I'm very conscious of the fact that part of, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because I found it interesting to ex, like make transparent somehow the, the, the people involved in this in a way that, you know, zine interviews allow a very curated, um, you know, opaque presentation of yourself. And um, I understand that some, some people have said they don't want to do the, the, the interviews. And I, I, I totally understand that. Like, I can totally respect that. But how do you feel like, what is that? What effect does that have on perception of, of the work to you? And also, you know, this the, the the widespreadness through social media and things like that. Um, I mean, again, for me, I just kind of think it is as as uh, notes. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's just like it's just it's it's you know that people can kind of like get into the get into like how you know how these these artists just kind of figure negotiate them themselves around mm -hmm. ideas which I think is really neat. Mm -hmm. So, because a lot of, you know, there's a lot of the, 
a lot of the, the conversation has been about ideas and the translation of ideas and everything. So it's just like, it's almost just like, uh, it's, yeah, it's notes. It's, you know, it's great. It's kind of like, like, like this, uh, more kind of like dynamic example of, uh, of liner mm -hmm. notes, you know? Sure. Which, you know, I always, I, it's great. But there's also like a lot of power in liner notes that have like very minimal information. I mean, I'm, I mean, going back to thousands of dead gods, you know, it was, yeah. I mean, it's it, was a, it, was a, it was a paper sleeve with, with the description, you know, like recorded live, like, I, I, like based on sources from cage diving or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but, and it was just this picture of a shark oh, and, yeah, and I was like, just thinking, I was just looking at it fucking thing. What the fuck? Like that was, well, that was, that's, that was kind of, that, that was one of those things too, where it's like, you know, especially when you're like you're like like a harsh noise fan in the 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 nineties or whatever. It was it's always it's always like just give them enough yeah. and then they can make up the rest in their imagination, yeah. you know, like Which which is powerful. So I mean I mean that was coming from a world of like Romer and fucking taint and 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 everything. But it's it's kinda like but I but I, I know what you mean, but it, it's fun, funny because ironically like no matter who someone's going to interview on a podcast like this or whatever, you're not going to get the full right. fucking uh, like depths. You know what I mean? It's just like, I mean, I, I always think it's just so fucking insane that anyone we were able to like communicate with Keith, like taint yeah. at all in, in the, the two thousands, yeah. you know, it's like, all through the nineties, I remember. I remember like Romer would be like, I'd be writing with Romer a lot, and he would be like, I'd be like, yeah, dude, can I get Taint's address? I want to get some. And he was just like, oh, dude, like he doesn't really talk to people. Yeah. You know, and you're kind of like, fuck yeah, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> rad. And then so for you, it's just like, you know, when when an artist is completely untouchable, but at the same time you don't really want him to be right. touchable. You know, like, well, I don't want to. You know, like, and then out of nowhere, you know, I'll get, I think my connection with Taint was he reached out and was just like, oh, the uh, dudes from Bonal want to get a hold of you. Can I give you your yeah. email address? And I'm just like, is this Keith from yeah. Taint? <laughs> you know, like, what the yeah. fuck? You know, and then in that conversation, you know, and then. And then suddenly he's on the noise boards, you know, and it's just like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, I'm, I, I might be wrong. I mean, maybe Romer was just fucking with me and it was just like, yeah, Sam's not allowed to talk. Everyone else is allowed to talk. Well, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, he's a perfect example that I think, I, th I think of it now, like, imagine if he were still around, still alive today and, and he would agree to be a guest on the podcast, like, that would, yeah, I mean that would, even now that would just be like absolutely like, insane. I mean, just like, and I think, but I th like, what's he gonna talk yeah. about? I mean, I've I've hung with Keith a lot and everything in person. And, oh yeah, and it's like, and you know, he's he uh, although like once in in person for like like a, re a really cool af af afternoon of going to spaghetti westerns in the mm -hmm. theater and all that kind of shit, you know. So it's like. You know, tons of other interests yeah. and everything but but uh yeah but um 
Yeah, yeah, I know. But you, but again, that's the thing. Like a guy as immense in in like prod project wise as 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 Keith was, you're never you're you're never going to get the the full picture. <laughs> like, no, of course. Like when you just like, just simply being you, able you'll, to... you'll, you'll, I think is great. You know, it's like it's like yeah. Yeah. But sim- simply the the, but I don't the, know. the face, the, the 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 voice, the body language, like there's so yeah. few pictures, whatever. <laughs> I mean, so 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 few people yeah. have been able to mystique in such an image and such a mystery about this person. One of the coolest things about my relationship with with Keith was that he was really fucking good at keeping me in line when it came to uh, do's and don'ts. Okay, because he. He he always kind of just acted in extremes, you know. So yeah. it was like, it was like, you know, like, oh, I need your opinion on this. Like, don't fucking do it. And I'm like, yeah, but what if those guys are going to be pissed? Who gives yeah. a fuck? You know, like a lot yeah. of that. You know, like yeah. fucking great. Like, yeah. Like coming from somebody that was like, you know, like famously well known for just being like, I don't like this deal. I'm out. Right. You know. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, so immense risk. So it, it was good. I like, kept you like inspired, like knowing that you you don't have to agree to everything. You don't have to fucking. Yeah. You know. For sure, and that's so. like that's a rare thing. I think is that people these days are very agreeable and very, very slow to criticize anything either publicly or even directly. I mean, like to even like bring up something if you're dealing with a label or dealing with some artist in some sort of context and there's some issue either you feel a certain way about something or there's just something to discuss or criticize in an objective sense i still feel feel like people these days are very very careful and almost too careful about addressing things and you know keith was very direct and public with you know <laughs> criticism and things like that and that i mean i mean sometimes you, be, you know you read something you said and be like, oh what a dick but at the same time it's like yeah it's uh it's it's missing i think well it's better yeah it's, i mean in the in the, the long run it's fucking better i mean you know like when you have like a like a personal relationship with like chris goudreau or something you know yeah. it's like <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like you're gonna have the hard edge opinions yeah but there's also there's also an under you know there's obviously the under I mean that's the other thing is the you know the word subjective isn't really still to this day isn't really thrown around enough like, right yeah it's like some like gatekeeper dude's opinion about an album just doesn't mean anything right. a lot of the times it's like like oh this was the worst album ever made I fucking hate how it sounds like this and how it sounds like that and then it'd be like okay awesome because everything. A lot of the times you'll be like, yeah, I know everything that guy fucking hates. I'm going to buy because the things he hates about it, I love. So it's yeah. fucking perfect. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. I remember back in the day, there was there was one dude, I can't remember who it was, but it was, you know, back in like the, the, the noise boards and he would just like review noise, right? Yeah. And he was clearly, I think he was uh, like, he was clearly just more like an industrial guy, like a death industrial, right? Yeah. And he'd review harsh noise all the time, like all the time. And he yeah. would just hate it. <laughs> like, this is fucking garbage. And to the point where you're like, 
why are you even reviewing it? Yeah. You obviously just don't like harsh noise. Like, right. quit fucking reviewing it. Yeah. You know? It's like... <laughs> it's just... It's just... It's, that's, that's where there's that problem with this crazy noise umbrella. Right. You know? Like, I don't think you like noise, man. I'm sorry. Right. Because <laughs> it's very true that something like every, crackling, every dry, time. harsh noise is very, very different than, you know, airy, dark synthesizer stuff i mean they're both valid but yeah, they're not the same they're, they really don't have anything to do with each other occasionally you have to look someone in the eye and just be like dude like i don't think you like noise <laughs> yeah yeah i think there's a lot of people in the noise scene that don't really like noise <laughs> you know like really it sounds do. it's not an it's like it's like from all the patterns and from all your opinions and from everything you talk about yeah I think you like horror movie soundtracks the most. Exactly. N Netflix so documentary soundtracks. Don't go on to tirades. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of hard. It's like, you know, like kicking somebody out of a club. <laughs> I don't think you, I don't know. And again, it's not an insult. It's just like, I think you need to come to terms with the fact that you might not like noise, man. Right. Yeah. That's true. That's super true. So more people need to maybe <laughs> admit that. And then so we'll be like, oh, maybe you're right. And then they'll, you know, the next time you see them, there'll be some like, I don't know, prog rock star or something. I don't know. <laughs> Happier. What, what was it like working with Keith yeah. on, uh, Ed, I don't know how to pronounce the name uh, of the of the project, but Ed, Edwidge? Oh, Edwidge. What was it like? What was it like uh, working with Keith on that project? It was it was amazing as usual. I mean, one of the the fucking coolest things about working with Keith was that the sources he'd mail you were always fucking killer, yeah, like mania style. You know, just like whoa, like fuck yeah, it all it always like worked so fucking great, yeah. You know? And then and then Dan was a part of that too, right? And Dan's obviously a master, right? Yeah. So. uh so, uh, yeah, and then eventually uh, uh, Noel, Nolan from Cackerlack was was on it for a bit, too. And I can't even remember what the uh, the sequence of events was there. But... Why was it that Keith stopped being involved? Um, there was a uh, – we were supposed to play – we were supposed to play No Fun as Ed Weish, mm -hmm. and I was doing it as – tour so me and dan and nolan were already going to be there and it was like pretty much scheduled and everything and then keith i mean it was just a matter of like it's completely understandable keith was just like they're just they're just not paying me enough mm -hmm. to fucking go and make it work and then i was like i was like fuck like like i really want to do it weege live you know you know what i mean so yeah con a little you know controversially we just kind of made the decision like let's just fucking like do it with nolan like yeah who better than cackerel sure like, but a lot of people were really excited to, to see keith on stage i mean of that course. was the other thing i'm just i don't even want to do it we if keith's gonna be there like i want right. to see mania taint <laughs> like right. fuck that right yeah, yeah yeah but yeah yeah there was there was definitely a bit you know keith was pissed like i can't believe you fucking do you know and then yeah but at the 
it was all under the bridge, you know, yeah. eventually. But yeah, yeah. Now I just think of it as like, you know, like now I just think of it as like how all four of us are just part of it. We just, you know, just sure. a bunch of dudes that fucking had love that we should connect. <laughs> I wanted to do harsh noise about her. Yeah, for sure. So you're, you're, you're at work right now. You're at Skull Skates. You're wearing a Skull Skates uh, yeah. shirt. Um, there's a poster that's been going around. I've seen it in Cologne. I think it's pretty much international at this point uh, of Justin Bieber wearing what I've understood is a very oh, rare yes. Skull Skates jacket. jacket. And yeah. so I need to know the story about this because I've always understood that Skull Skates is very elite, very like true very hardcore and you know justin bieber is arguably a symbol of like douchism like like i mean yeah yeah i mean <laughs> just just justin bieber i mean there's one way to like look at it and it's just like he's canadian yeah he skates he's good at skateboarding yeah he hangs with skaters a lot he knows what Skull Skates is because yeah. he's Canadian, you know. I mean, yeah. Skull Skates in its heyday in LA, but so there's that angle, right? But it, but the weirdest thing about that whole fucking thing was that that jacket he he got, there was only like a dozen of those made for the team only in LA back in the eighties. Wow! And as in team, I mean like Christian Hosoy, Steve Olson, Dave yeah. Hackett, Dwayne Peters, like. Like PD, the yeah. other guy who ran Skull Skates, Fididas. It was like, like so. I'm talking like heavy fucking jackets. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So we always so to us it was more just like who the fuck sold Bieber that jacket? You <laughs> <laughs> got a shitload of money for it. Which of the guys sold Bieber that jacket? But um. Yeah, but I mean, it was f funny because again, it comes down to like like themes of marketing and like how to because when that happened, it was incredibly divisive, even all, even in the office here, right? Yeah. But right away, I was like, I was like, an earlier example of this was when EA Games asked the Barrier Cult, one of the members of the Barrier Cult, Dear Man of Dark Woods, to be in the game, yeah. like skate, I think. Yeah. And right away we were like like fuck no. Right? <laughs> but then but then at the same time uh another pro that we totally re respect uh Darren Navrit turned out to be in the games. So we were like, "Oh, Navrit's in it. Fucking sick. <laughs> Let's do it." And but then it turned into more like more like um it turned into a thing where it's like when people realized that the barrier cult was in the EA skate game. It went from people thinking the barrier call was kind of a fringe fucked up unknown thing to like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like I didn't know they were that gnarly, like Huge. that big, like that's yeah. creepy. Like, that's fucked. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Go look at any of our shit and be like, and they're still doing their shit. Like yeah. they're not, you know, like, Whoa weird so when the bieber thing happened i kind of thought the same thing i went straight to the same thing it's like because we're you know we had arguments in the office like should we repost that picture and i'm like yeah fuck yeah do it yeah. <laughs> it's like when the thing that skates is fringe and and no one knows about it 
is like suddenly going to be like, what the fuck? Like arguably the biggest pop artist in the world is wearing a skull skate jacket. Yeah. People that know, know the Canadian skateboarding, oh, he's just wearing it because he's Canadian. Right. Yeah. But it's like, but at the same time, it's like skull skates hasn't fucking changed at all. Right. But now we're like shocked knowing that like someone as fucking big as Bieber know is skull skates is in his radar. Yeah. I know for a fucking post, like a billboard. Yeah. It was kind of like right around, right around that, that time as well. Um, we were at the store and, uh, this, a hotel concierge came in like wearing the, the kit and he came in the, through the front door and he was like, I need, I need half a dozen skull skate hoodies in these sizes. Yeah. And we were like, all right. And he's like, and I've got the cash. He like pulled out a wad and we yeah. were just like, all right. Cool. And he's like, and we're like, like, dude, uh, you know, not to be weird, but like, what the fuck is this for? And he's like, yeah. oh, it's for Kanye West and his road crew. <laughs> we were like, and we were like, oh, like, same thing. It was like yeah. Kanye's, you know, Kanye's Kanye, but I mean, he fucking knows his shit. Like, yeah. I guess he was in Vancouver and he was just like, you know, and a lot of those like hip hop artists used to skate. Yeah, you know, for sure. Skate. Dave Chappelle and all those guys, they know yeah. what Skullscape is. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of neat that when he was in town, he's like, send the hotel concierge down to go buy everyone's Skullscape hoodies. Yeah, for sure. We're in cool. Do you think it's, it's like, do you think the Bieber thing, like, has it, has it had any noticeable material effect on the shop? Like in terms of. No, not at all. I mean, that's the most hilarious part of it i was talking yesterday about where so yeah so it, it didn't i mean you know but again i think it just it put it into like because we had all these like punk rock bowling fucking older types getting a hold of us and just being like fuck you guys fucking sellouts like fuck you like like i've been skating for 30 years you never gave me a jacket and all this shit and it's like yeah they all thought we sponsored justin bieber yeah you know and we're like no it's the opposite. Like he fucking went out and found that fucking jacket. Yeah. And then someone's like, yeah, it's just this fucking stylist. And I'm like, I don't know. Like he skates, he fucking yeah. skates. Yeah. You know, like, he knows this sh you know, he but again, it's just people that don't get it. Yeah. It's like, because they were scared that what they thought was hardcore was going to be diminished because a really popular artist wore it. Yeah. But it's kind of like the opposite. It's, now it's even more intimidating because they just found out that this super true gnarly company is actually on people's radar. Yeah. You know? and, I th and, and they don't think of it right like that. You know, it's just like, whoa, like they're actually okay. You know, and then they'll go back to our website and just be like, oh, they haven't changed at all. Yeah. You know, I think that's the, the, the key thing there. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, a few uh, a few patron supporters uh, submitted some questions that they wanted to ask me to ask you. And um, oh, cool. first one is by a friend named Sisto Rossi who lives here in Cologne. Um, and he was wondering how the Ross Bay metal scene, Blasphemy, Conqueror, Etc. have um, had an influence on your work as the Rita, if at all? 
Or what, uh, what, what connection you've had with them throughout the years? Uh, personally, I got to hang out with, uh, amazingly, I got to hang out with Ryan Forster quite a bit when he lived here still. Because mm-hmm. I'd go to his house and just buy albums and stuff off him. Because cool. he had like a distro. And Dan, Sewer Election Dan and I got to do a remix of like a Conqueror right. uh, tr- uh, track as well. But I mean, what's really neat about Vancouver is that it's a it's a city of complete absolutes. Yeah. Like you have a punk band like DOA that virtually invented the word hardcore, which is insane. Yeah. And then you have, have and then in the industrial gamut, you have like Skinny Puppy. Yeah. Which, you know, when you their old live shows and shit they're sketchy as fuck you yeah. know like my my boss's ex-girlfriend is in one of their their videos yeah right? but um so anyway so then and then at the same time you have a band like like blasphemy which is basically like invented like that really vicious bestial like like war metal like yeah black metal so you kind of have like the absolutes in every genre so in one week in vancouver back in the day you could see doa yeah uh puppy and fucking blasphemy right yeah and what was funny is that they were all kind of like connected because it's like kind of like the old school kind of like east vancouver gnarliness and and the connection with, with blasphemy that was always really interesting is that it has a super heavy fucking uh connection to east van skateboarding and the jacks and everything yeah because all of the the original recording sessions and everything were all like that's why they in in their thanks they thank the jacks and carlos longo and sure i remember i remember hanging out here in the store when we put out that blasphemy deck which was super controversial because people didn't get it they didn't know that blasphemy comes very much from uh from a skateboarding background it's like when we did that beharit deck and yeah. just getting our minds blown that all three of Guys were all vert skaters. Yeah, you know, sending me them like in palm tree, fucking Bermuda shorts, doing head high backsiders on vert ramps and shit. Like <laughs> literally a year before the hair started. Sick. And then like Vaz from fucking Black Witchery was hanging out in in the store, and he was just like, we used to sell skull skates at the skateboard store my parents ran. Yeah, you know, and we're just like. Yeah, so when like Jeff from from Blasphemy came in and he was, we were you know we were doing the decks, we were like working out all the the deals and everything, and it was really fucking amazing to hear him and PD just tell the old fucking stories. Like, yeah, like one of the guys from the Dayglo abortions set it up so Blasphemy could record, and they hooked him up with all the Z. And it was just like my mind was just like, and then like yeah. finding out that Carl Longo, who skated for Skull Skates, was actually the uh, I guess he would go down to America a lot with this other dude, Scabone. They would go down to Seattle, and they mm-hmm. were the ones that would buy metal records, bring them back up to Vancouver, and then all those guys in East Van would hang out in one of their houses and listen to these records and just get all their minds blown. Yeah. So it was just completely fucking insane to find out that Carlos Longo is literally ground zero yeah. for extreme metal. Like, you know, and, and then I was always just like, well, how did you guys, so my brain was just melting. Right. And yeah. then, and then, and then, yeah. And then one time Carlos was hanging out in the store a while ago and he was just like, like, Oh, I need to get one of those blasphemy records. Sam, can you get me one of those reissue records? And I'm like, yeah, man, totally. And then he was like, yeah, my girlfriend drew that logo. 
the Fallen Angel of Doom logo. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, like, Carlos Longo's his fucking girlfriend. Yeah, okay. Like, crazy. Like, shit. You know, and then, like, so any, so any one's weird misnomers was about, like, skateboarding and, and bestial black metal was just completely thrown. It was just, like, fucked up because yeah. it's like, yeah, go, go read the thank you list and Fallen Angel of Doom. Sick. You know, and it was like, so yeah. So if you're into extreme music, Ground Zero is the Dayglo abortions. <laughs> Crazy, is <laughs> what I found out. So that's basically, yeah, which was Sick. funny. Um, again, I might be getting it all wrong. It was really intense and a lot of, but getting it straight from the horse's mouth and like finding out how deep, yeah, BMX skateboarding was with all those guys was crazy um another person asked if a musical background or musical knowledge musical theory knowledge is important if you're working with noise um again uh again for me it's incredibly important for me to to only to only uh dedicate i mean to only work like through ideas that I learned in the, the, the visual arts. It kind of keeps me in tune. Mm -hmm. Like it keeps me on the straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. So, so no matter how much it, it might, or it does, I can't, I can't let myself think it has anything to do with music mm -hmm. or the, the musical world. And yeah. And the more that I just like translate everything I do through the visual arts and art history and everything, yeah. So, so that, yeah, that would be my, my answer there. It's like a rule. It's like a steadfast rule. Yeah. Um, I have, a, I have even, a all way down, even all the way down to the musical samples and everything that would, that's just all like, that's notes. Like that's like ideas and notes. Yeah. I, I have a question and I hope we don't run out of time here, but I have a question. Um, You've talked sometimes about specific releases, certain certain lines, certain textures. Do you feel like you have a, a like a a photographic ear, or do you do you feel like you 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 hear lines of harsh noise, like you, like you hear melodies? Do they kind of do you memorize them like that? Uh. Uh, no, but I mean, that's part of it is like, especially like in conversation with guys like, uh, my, my good friend, Ted Burns, it's mm -hmm. like, it, you're kind of, you're always looking for that rapid fire abstraction, mm -hmm. you know? So, so it's interesting you bring that up because so the key of that is like, you always want to be kind of left off your, uh you always want to be caught off guard by the, by the actual strikes, like the individual mm. strikes and talking with guys like Ted about it a lot is really interesting. Cause it's like a snapper, like a crack, like a texture line is very like, it's incredibly percussive. Mm -hmm. And I've written about it before. Just how jealous I am that, that, I mean, I, I, I do what I do and I'm going to keep doing it, but I'm always just like, like someone that does it percussively is kind of like for a, for, 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 for me, it's kind of like the, 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 the be all end all, you know? Yeah. So it'd be like, like 
Chauncey or Ted, you know, where it's like it's physical. Yeah. You know? Right. But that's the thing that all of those those works, it's always like the 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 different snaps and everything always kind of catch you off guard. I think that's part of the art of it though. Yeah. The technique and the art. Yeah. And the ear, you know? Yeah. Um what's your favorite live collaboration you've done? That's also a question from a patron supporter. My favorite I've got I've got two that were incredibly success, successful. I did a, a BTHN live performance with with Josh Rose and Kelly Davis, who's the the the, the woman that uh, is in the choreography video. But we did a right. uh, a work where um, Josh and I were literally off stage, like off on the side. I was just in a chair, and uh, Josh I think was at the mixer, and Kelly it was just amplified makeup. And it was Kelly just put, putting on her makeup and like a, and it was kind of neat because the venue had a full on, like for some weird reason, had a full on, like looked like an actor's studio backstage makeup went near. <laughs> cool. So we didn't even plan it that way. So, so that worked out incredibly. Yeah. And then the other one would be with the, the late, great uh, Hannah Meyerberg, who was on, who is the, the dancer that was, that um, artist and dancer that was on the Gums Audio LP. Right. Record. It was the first time I got to work with an actual point shoe dancer. Mm. So my and she had a complete understanding of all the themes and thematics, and she was an incredible ballet dancer. Mm. And I got to do like uh, a like a live per performance with her, with her like with her mic'd up as she put the the shoes on and taped up her feet, and then mm. her mic'd up. She actually did the the point shoe performance. Cool. Those would be like my the probably the the best like executed ones. Nowadays, I'm really really happy and excited about just kind of like doing lots of pantomime personally on stage with like imagery and vinyl banners with images yeah. that I trace with hands while I play the noise and shit. Yeah. So those have been great, but for sure. Yeah, those those two kind of stand out. Awesome. Whereas um, they just and the other thing is they worked. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. like this is working. Yeah, and there's a you know eight million that couldn't have worked. You sure, know, so. sure. That's I mean you take a lot of risks with that. There's definitely a lot of room for things to just not. Oh yeah, it's flesh crazy. out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to wrap things up, so you can get get um. Get out of here on time. Um, can you tell me your top five noise releases of all time, and then after that, your top five of the last year? Uh, yeah, good. Um, uh, yeah, I made notes because I knew that you'd ask this. <laughs> so uh, I've actually got three lists because I've been like lucky enough to be able to p- participate directly in reissues of my favorite albums sure. of all time. Sure. But it's kind of weird <laughs> to like just list those but i you know i want to but i want to say them because they are what they are yeah so like ones i d- d- directly involved in either notes or like helping or whatever yep. uh, would be like black leather pieces anti yep which is like a masterpiece yep uh dead body love lo-fi power carnage yep. obviously uh agula thor opera yep uh vmn throbbing pulse mm-hmm and I got to do some of the notes for the uh, Ultra uh, Roman Hall holiday reissue right. that came out in 
the, the box set, which is kind of like an all-time favorite yes. album. And then with for re- all-time re- releases that you know that outside of that, yeah. uh, I would say uh, Bruno Cassano, Sappho's Pleasures, John Zawiz presents his famous Women of the SS. The, I'm a huge fan of the, the Women of the SS releases, but the one disc that came out on RRR is like my favorite one. Cool. Uh, Zonord, uh, Marche Noir, Denerys de Versailles, I think it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Fucking masterpiece. Yep. Uh, uh, thank you to Nick Wainwright for turning me on to that one. <laughs> Shout out to Nick. Mothausen Orchestra, uh, second movement. Yep. Fucking masterpiece. And the sodality of beyond unknown pleasures. Yep. Cool. One. So yes, after all the bullshit, I've just spouted a bunch of industrial records. <laughs> yeah. So, and then on that path to confuse the fuck out of everybody, my top five more contemporary stuff through the last like years uh, would be like Snuff uh, Four. Okay. Stab Electronics, yep. anything that guy is, I'm fucking obsessed with. Yeah, they did a compilation reissue of Born for Righteous Abuse and Temple of Self Disgust. Yeah. I can't stop playing. Yeah, I guess it makes it older, but whatever. Yeah. But it's still new. That's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marco, close friend, uh, arguably my favorite noise project in the world, Caligula Thirty One. Yep, everything about it's perfect. His latest tape. So I just picked his latest, sure. uh, Case to Volume 1. Okay. Uh, Ula Thor, k- k- Killing the Game, again, with one of the greatest cover art ever for their latest uh, Sisters tape. Yep. I really love. Yep. Uh, and then uh, one of my other, turning slowly turning into a really close colleague, but uh, m- 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 a last... Ah. One of his latest tapes. Anything he does is incredible. He's the fuck so jealous of his artwork all the time, his yep. covers and everything. But uh, Cardian Drosh, uh, Drosh or Volume Two. Okay. Again, I apologize if I pronounced it wrong, but that would be my favorite thing of him lately. Cool. And then on top of that, I'm lucky. I mean, I'm blessed and lucky enough to be work with like lots of c- colleagues. Uh, here in Vancouver, if you told me that I'd be living in the same city as uh, Death Squad or MK9, yeah. fucking mine. Get yeah. to work with Rizalco all the time. Yeah, it's awesome. All the heads, fucking MM. Yep. Going off hard right now. Uh, uh, obviously, close, very close to Gabby Lasansi. Yep. Her work is always the greatest. Ted Burns, anything, he, anything Ted does. Yep fucking jealous of yeah that i'm not part of that world you could be uh the, the nausea all the, the vancouver heads on you worker i'm probably forgetting names i fucking apologize but sure. uh, uh aaron, john and aaron from molina Mo, Mo, nick who i mentioned yeah but yeah i mean it's been great it's being great being part of a really like josh rose obviously yep. a lot of his work is fucking genius yep but it's been great being able to be in that Vancouver environment for sure for a long time where yeah. everyone just and works in absolute, you know, it's like great. Yeah. It's a, uh, I mean, for me as an outsider, it was always like kind of a, 
very specific mecca in my mind, you know, just like seeing what was coming out of Vancouver was always like really, I mean, I wasn't involved in, uh, you know, not in, I'm spe specifically just noise. I mean, not even like the other areas of extreme music that you've talked about, but just the noise stuff out of Vancouver was always huge. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, again, it's it's got this really, really fucking weird history of just always work, working in like the most extreme, yeah. no matter what the genre is. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like black metal that comes out of like South America. It's like, what right. the fuck was going on down there? Right, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate it. Um, is there anything you want to say before we wrap things up? Anything else you'd like to add? I want to thank everyone that's ever that uh, that works with me. I feel incredibly lucky that people like be, be believe in what I do to the to the point that they'll take risks, expensive risks with me with mm -hmm. releases and everything. Yeah, and uh, it fucking it fucking means a lot. And uh, yeah, I've been able to travel the world lots doing, doing, yeah. doing this thanks to the you know the arts grants the canada council and and just everybody yeah so yeah it's just been, it's 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 been crazy I and mean, it's not going to stop yeah uh, killer which is a big reason why i'm just like yeah i'll just make harsh noise the primary thing in my life because it gets me all this incredible experiences yeah for sure cool well we appreciate it too Thank you for everything that you've done, and uh, thanks for taking the time and talking with me. And Very cool. Have a good day. Talk to you later. Thanks again for tuning into White Sampy Noise Podcast. Head over to the Patreon for more, including private episodes of Noise on the Run, exclusive photos, video, and audio related to the show, and discounts at the White Sampy Noise mail order. Your support is extremely appreciated and vital to keep the show going.